And we are on air for NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off here at Fan for Racing Radio. Uh, joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Sagawa. And uh, we've got a lot to cover tonight because we have two great guests coming on board. Uh, but in our first half hour, we are going to take some time to uh, talk about uh, a lot of uh, racing from this past weekend, including uh, a few short track updates. Then we'll get into the Arkham and Art Series race at Talladega. We'll review that race. And then the Arkham West race at Kern County Raceway. Uh, we'll close the half hour with a brief uh, update on the truck series. They're not ra- they did not race this past weekend, but they will be racing at Darlington Raceway next weekend. At 9 o'clock, we do have our guest coming on board, Greg Van Alt from his own racing team uh, in the Arca Menard series. Uh, he raced at Talladega this past weekend and uh, definitely looking forward to uh, talking to Greg Van Alst about his race uh, at Talladega. I know he was looking uh, to have a good race. He ended up uh, finishing uh, in 11th place at Talladega, and um, we're definitely looking forward to talking to him about that. Uh, Then we'll do an Xfinity review of their race at Talladega. Noah Gregson won that race, and it was a big win. And after that interview, we'll do our review of the Cup Series race at Talladega. And again, uh, a big win for Ross Chastain in that event. So we've got a lot to talk about here tonight. And joining me now is our co-host, Sal Sagawa. Welcome to the show, Sal. Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, Real quick, I did not mention that 10 o'clock is our Hot Topic Sound Off segment, Uh, so fans will definitely want to stay tuned for that, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Uh, Sal, we've got uh, a few things that we want to start with in the uh, short track news category, and uh, one of the big things is Matt Hirschman held off Ryan Priest in the spring uh, sizzler open modified uh, race, and that earned him a ride in the SRX series at Stafford Speedway. So uh, a big win for Matt Hirschman. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, this um, I kind of like what, what Tony Stewart's doing, you know, with, uh, you know, there are certain tracks, you know, like when they had the one over here at um, – Five flags, you know they, you know the overall winner of the two races, you know was going to get the, um, you know was going to get the uh, um, okay. the ride in SRX, and um, I just I just wish he would do something out here on the West Coast. I mean, so far he's already given two, actually they're giving three East Coast drivers because they're also having a fan vote for another race. So it, yeah. it'd be nice, you know, if he gave the West Coast, you know, a shot, you know, at you know at the same the same opportunity, but. Either way, you know, congratulations, you know, and, you know, it's going to be a big, uh, it's going to be a big a, um, uh, um, opportunity for him to race, you know, in that series. Yeah, I think what they're doing, uh, Sal, is they're uh, taking the different tracks that the SRX is going to and then uh, taking a winner from one of the races at those specific tracks. 
uh, and giving them a chance to race at that track when the SRX comes to town. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool what they're doing. But I hear you. They need to get out there on the West Coast uh, for an XRX race for sure. Okay, so I'm getting tuned in here. Okay, so I know uh, some other short track racing that took place this weekend includes two races in the Arkham Menard Series. One is the Arkham Menard uh, race that took place at Talladega, certainly not a short track, but uh, a big event series, uh, and uh, we'll talk about that. But we'll also be talking about the Arkham West race at Kern County Raceway. Uh, I was so happy... Uh, for Rev Racing this weekend, they had a big, big win uh, with Nick Sanchez winning at Talladega Super Speedway. And Roger Carruth, also from Rev Racing, takes over the series points lead in the Arkham Art Series. So uh, a really big day for Rev Racing out at Talladega. Yeah, it, it was. You know, like you said, you know, um... I'm just pretty going over the, all that right now. Yeah, a lot of people thought Corey Heim would uh, be the one to take that win, and uh, it, it didn't happen, but uh, it was a uh, uh, definitely a big uh, race for uh, uh, the Arkham Menard Series just overall. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I was looking for the um, review. I know I have it up here at Jeff Banker Racing, so I think I'm going to go over there. Uh, he really snatched that win at, during the last lap. Uh, two laps, uh, when Rev Racing driver Nick Sanchez got shuffled out of the lead with 11 laps to go, it appeared his shot at winning at Talladega was over, but two laps later, Sanchez made a daring, three-wide move to take the race to lead moments before a caution flag waved to end the race early. Now, they had to end the race early because of the Arkham and Ar- the Xfinity uh, Series race. Xfinity. Uh, that, that's why I said Xfinity. Yeah. Xfinity Series race that was uh, due to come up next on the schedule. So uh, that was his second win after... Uh, claiming a victory last year uh, at uh, Kansas or at their last race of the year when uh, Ty Gibbs won the championship. Nick Sanchez actually won that race. So uh, pretty cool to see him come back and win another one. Corey Heim actually pushed um, Sanchez when he went from fourth to first. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Sharon. You're in the middle of the Doing a... did, you, did you get a chance to watch the race, Cal? No, I didn't. You know what? I, I just i i was I was up at Kern for the Arc West race and for the SRL Prolate race. And then, oh, okay. Uh, and then uh, yesterday we were at it. We had some. We were we were up in Disneyland yesterday. I take my wife, so kind of kind of a. Trade off. I got to go do race on Saturday. You. Take her to Disneyland on Sunday, but um, I was I and then I'm working so far from home. I was trying to get home early enough to to watch 
you know, to at least catch some of it. I did. I was able to catch some of the cup race, which was the one that I really wanted to watch. I heard that was really exciting finish, but uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I have it. I have recorded, so either way, I'm still going to watch it even after we finish with the show. I'm going to okay. go back and watch it. See. Well, Daniel Dye was up front trying to uh, make a pass for the race lead. Uh, he first moved up to to uh, block the run uh, by Brett Holmes. Uh, and then moved low to try to protect Corey Hyde, and in the res- the result was uh, they fell out. Uh, so that opened the door for Nick Sanchez. Uh, he moved low under Holmes and was able to go three wide to make a three wide pass uh, of Hyde for the lead seconds before that caution was waving. So. Um, that spin is what allowed Sanchez to secure his first super speedway win uh, for Rev Racing. Uh, and to go over kind of the rest of the top ten here, because uh, uh, there were a lot of good runs here. Nick Sanchez, of course, finished first. Brett Holmes, uh, an Alabama native, finished in second. Then it was Corey Hine in third. Dad Moffat finishing fourth. Justine in fifth. Roger Caruth finished sixth, and as I said, good enough to put him in first place in the front starting. Then it was Drew Dollar, Ryan Hupp uh, finishing eighth, Parker Chase ninth, Max Gutierrez finished tenth, but our guest, Greg Van Alt, uh, finished in 11th place. He'll be coming on at 9 p.m. tonight, Eastern Time. So uh, some nice finishes there for those drivers. Yeah, it was. And, you know, they have a really good field, 33 cars, you know, get out there, you know, and, you know, to battle, you know, for the win, you know, and it's good, like you, you know, mentioned earlier, you know, it's good to see, you know, Rev Racing, you know, um, you know, start to make a, you know, a statement, you know, all over all the other, you know, all, all the other big team cars, you know, um, you know, to, 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 you know, grab that win. and Right. Uh, do you want to cover the points report, uh, Sal, real quick before we move on to the Kern County race? Yeah, so the points on the Arca Menard is uh, um, uh, Raja Karuth is leading the points, um, Daniel Dice in second, Nick Sanchez in third, Parker Chase in fourth, and Corey Heim round out the top five. And actually, then from there, then we go to uh, Tony um, uh, Bredinger, Gus D, Amber Belk. Amber Balkin, Ryan Huff, and Andy Jankowick uh, round at the top ten. Yeah, only one point now separate Raja Karuth and Daniel Dye. Four points between him and his teammate Nick Sanchez. Uh, Parker Chase 11 points back and Corey Heim at 20 points back. So it's, uh, it's uh, becoming a very tight points race. So. Oh yes, it is. I mean, yeah. When you look at the top, uh, when you look at the top four, you know. And then of course, you know. Then the, our fifth pace driver, Corey Heim. You know, he's he's only got. This is only a second race, you know, and he still, you know, has a. You know, he still has a good, uh, you know, he's still somewhere in the battle there. I mean, yeah, you know. Um, yes. Yeah. He would have caught that win. Um, you know, then I was, I was kind of looking at all the other drivers. You know, how many, how many we have so far you know, that have competed all, you know, all the races so far, the three races, and it looks like we got like one, exactly. two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven drivers so far that have competed in all three races. Exactly. Uh, so a couple of drivers that uh, certainly had good finishes uh, from their um, previous two races, Zachary Kinkle, who we've had on the show, he finished in 20th place. Uh, and we mentioned Greg Van uh, Holt finishing in 11th place. Amber Balkan, who was on the show uh, recently, she had a 12th place finish. Um, so some of these guys, uh, it helped them kind of move up the series point standings a little bit uh, by uh, improving their finishing position out there at Talladega this weekend. Yeah, and then, you know, uh, gosh, that was a hard hit that um, that Richard Garvey took, too. I was watching it, watching the replay of it. You know, and, yeah. man, that was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, that was brutal, and uh, I was happy that he was okay. Uh, I know Scott Melton had a broken leg uh, after his accident as well, so uh, we wish him a a speedy recovery from that. Yeah, these drivers are racing hard. They're racing at fast speeds, and, you know, it kind of reminds me, you know, when, you know, you know, when Cup first went over there, you know, they were talking, you know, about the same thing, you know, the speeds, you know, and the, you know, the dangers of running these, um, you know, these restrictor plate, these uh, rest- uh, restrictor plate races, you know. Exactly. Um, so uh, we do take it for granted all the advancements that that, that uh, racing in general has taken, NASCAR in particular. Uh, but uh, these guys are, are really fighting hard you know, for these wins, and the competition is very stiff. A lot of these drivers are very, very talented, and when you have a lot of talented drivers all working together to get that win, uh, it makes it kind of tough. Now, Alabama driver Brett Holmes got closer than he's ever been to victory at his home track. He scored a runner-up result in his number 23 Golden Eagle Chevrolet, his previous best finish at Talladega was the third place in 2020. Uh, Nick Sanchez's victory made him the 42nd different driver to win an ARCA race at Talladega. Uh, Talladega. Ryan Huff's eighth-place finish matched a career best for the driver from Williamsburg, Virginia. He previously finished eighth at Kentucky Speedway in 2020. Max Gutierrez's 10th place finish was his first top 10 result in the Arkham Menard Series in seven starts dating back to 2020. Uh, the General Tire 200 was slowed by six caution flags for 29 laps and featured four leaders and seven lead changes. Scott Melton, who suffered a compound fracture in his left leg in the crash Saturday, has uh, undergone one surgery, and he's slated to undergo a second to repair his injured leg. Uh, he made that announcement on social media. So, um, uh, again, we wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, well, yeah, we definitely wish any any driver, you know, you know gets in a wreck like that, you know, uh, a speedy recovery and, you know, hope, you know, you know, they get back, you know, behind the wheel real soon, you know, and get back to, you know, what they love doing. Exactly right. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on now to the uh, ARCA West race that took place at uh, Kern County Raceway. Uh, the race winner there 
uh, was 16-year-old Landon Lewis. Uh, and what I thought was so interesting about his victory is that the previous win that he had at um, – He's had two debut races in the Arkham in the Arkham series. Uh, one was this weekend at Kern County Raceway in the Arkham West, uh, and he had one other one. Uh, I'll bring it up here in just a second. Uh, he he also won in just his second Arkham Series start appearance at the Coin State Fairgrounds in Illinois last year. So, uh, you know, in three races uh, that he's had between um, uh, the Arca West and the Arca Menard Series, uh, he's got two victories. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it is. You know, and um, even talking with them, you know, about you know about the his first one. And then afterwards, you know, after the race, you know, I was talking about the second one, you know, and, um, you know, he says he, you know, because he comes from a dirt background, but he says mm-hmm. he goes, he's really liking this, uh, really liking this asphalt, you know, racing, you know, and then when you have a mentor like Ron Hornaday Jr., you know, in your stable, you know, that makes it, you know, a lot more, um, you know, a lot more, uh, um, a lot more helpful. It really does. Uh, Ron Hornaday is a master at restarts, and if if he can, uh, you know, transfer that to a uh, driver like Andy Lewis. Uh, and he's got a stable of drivers that he's working with. It's not just Landon Lewis, but, uh, you know, who better to learn from than a driver like Ron Hornaday Jr., for sure. Um, so uh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm just saying he on his restart, he was spot on. I mean, he didn't miss a restart. Um, you know, that's one of the places you know where a lot of drivers have have problems with. But I'll tell you right now, he 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 didn't miss a beat when it came to the um, when it came to all his restarts. Um, hit all of them, and uh, he, he was really impressive. He really was impressive, and uh, uh, to just kind of go over the top ten drivers here. Uh, Landon Lewis finishing first. Uh, then it was Jake Drew. He's, he's got the nickname of P2 Drew. Uh, and I, th- I know he wants to shed that nickname with a victory. He's come so close so many times. Uh, Cole Moore finished in third place. Tanner Wright uh, had a fourth place finish. Paul Pedrinselli Jr. Uh, finished in fifth place, followed by Todd Souza in sixth place. Trevor Huddleston had a seventh-place finish. Austin Herzog uh, finished in eighth. Takuma Koga in ninth. And Amber Slagle uh, finished in tenth place. So uh, some nice finishes there for uh, some of these drivers. Oh, yeah, it was it was really good finishes, you know, for all the drivers. I mean, it was a good field. You know, it was a good field of uh, drivers, you know, um, you know, as far as, you know, the uh, – um, you know, as far as you know, I mean, eighteen drivers. We usually don't. We haven't had. The only time we have more than eighteen, or anywhere close to that, is when we go to Phoenix or um, or we go to a um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Sonoma. Sonoma are the only two tracks. Mm-hmm. But you see, you know, anything in between. I mean, if you go back two, three, four years, you know, you know the, you know, we haven't really had 
a good uh, a good outing. But you know, there's a lot of drivers. You know, there's a few drivers. You know, that don't even run the series regular. You know, they came out. You know, they wanted to race this track. Lando was one of them. Um, uh, Amber was another one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kyle Keller was another one. He's a local. Andrew Tuttle was another one. Trip Gaylord. You know, they were all you know part of the um, you know part of the newer drivers. You know, who's not running full time, you know, but still came out, you know, to support the series and, you know, and get their car in the mix. Exactly. Now, Dick Drew uh, finished second, but that was enough to put him at the top of the uh, point standings. Uh, you want to cover that, uh, Sal? Yeah. Yeah. So the standings for the ARCA West now is um, we got Jake Drew leading, leading the points. And then only uh, five points back from Jake Drew is uh, Tanner, Tanner Reif, who is our Orangeville Speedway winner. And then one point behind Tanner is uh, Cole Moore. Fourth is Paul Petroselli uh, uh, Jr., who is also the pole sitter for this race. And then round out the top five is Austin Herzog, who is one of the Bill McAnally uh, racing drivers, who's 15 points out of first. And then from there, then we go down to Todd Sousa in sixth. Seventh is Takuma Koga, who travels all the way from Japan to race in this series. And then uh, Joey East, who's one of our local drivers out here and uh, actually from up north. And then uh, uh, Sebastian Arias comes from uh, Bogota, Colombia to race in this series. And then uh, tenth is uh, uh, Bridget Burgess. To round up the and top she's 10. from Great Britain. Yeah, she's from Great Britain. Okay, so, uh, yeah, it's, it, again, it's a really tight point battle shaping up in the West, and uh, it, it makes it uh, fun to think about the next races that are coming up in this series. Yeah, there is. I mean, you know, I talked to, you know, you talked to a few of the drivers, you know, and they're, you know, they're talking about, you know, um, you know, a lot of them are looking forward to, uh Phoenix at the end of the year, and that's why they have to catch these few races that they catch now. Um, NASCAR mm-hmm. won't allow them to run Phoenix unless, unless they've, you know, proven themselves that they can run other tracks, you know, and run them competitively, not just be a start and park driver, you know, and, and, you know, hopefully when Phoenix goes around, you know, when it comes to the big stage, you know, and all of a sudden they're just going to let them get out there and race. It's not going to happen like that. So, um, you know, it's going to it's going to be exciting, you know, until the end of the season, you know, to see how you know how all this shakes out. Um, not only that, but you know, with yes. the points with um, with uh, Jake and um, with uh, Jake and um, and Tanner, so you know, so close to each other, along with Cole Moore. Cole Moore can he's another Bill McAnally car. Cole's another one to watch for. Cole Cole can pop off a win or two here before the end of the season. Absolutely. Now, real quick, I want to give you an update on when the next races are coming up. The next race will be the ARCA East General Tire 125 on April 29th at Dover Motor Speedway. We'll do a full preview of that race on Thursday night. Uh, On May 14th, uh, the ARCA Menard Series will be racing at Kansas Speedway. Uh, That will be the Dutch Boy 150 on Fox Sports 1. Uh, you'll be able to watch that uh, race. Uh, again, we'll do a full preview uh, the Thursday before. June 4th, 
the ARCA West Rover Racing, the Portland 100 at Portland International Raceway. That will be live streamed on Flow Racing, uh, and uh, the race at Dover will also be, for the ARCA East, will also be on Flow Racing. The next uh, Sioux Chief Showdown race will uh, be until June the 11th, and that will be at Iowa Speedway. That one will be televised on Mac TV. So a lot of racing coming up here, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Real quick, I also want to give a quick update on the truck series, uh, Sal, because uh, they did not race this past weekend, but their, their next race will be at Darlington Raceway on Friday, May the 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, practice uh, will be on Friday along with qualifying. And, again, we'll do the preview the Thursday before, uh, but that race will be televised on Fox Sports 1. And I wanted to make sure uh, we got, gave some of that information. Uh, if you go over to JSTs, you'll see a lot of the paint schemes uh, that uh, the truck will have. Uh, this is a traditional throwback weekend. And uh, like Matt DiBenedetto is going to have uh, uh, on his Rackley Ward uh, truck, he's going to honor Sterling Marlin. With his throwback scheme, Spencer Boyd's uh, running a Michael Waltrip throwback scheme. Um, uh, Haley Deegan's uh, throwback is to Bobby Allison. So you'll be able to see a lot of those throwback schemes uh, over there at JC. Any thoughts, Jay or Sal? I was waiting for that. Uh, I know. I, I try so hard not to do that. It slips out. I know. I know. Yeah, we're looking forward to a lot of good racing still coming up. I mean, all the series are really doing good, you know, as far as, you know, what we're seeing out there, you know what. And, and um, you know, the, the Arkham Menards, you know, they have, you know, when they first broke up from the can you know, it, it was kind of difficult to see, you know, how all this is going to play out. But, I mean, you know what, they're doing a really good job with it, you know, as far as, you know, the, you know, the different divisions they're running, you know what, and, and how everything is, you know, is coming together, you know what, and the racing is, is good, you know. Um, you know, uh, like I said, when you get a chance to see the uh, the race from Curry, you're really going to enjoy it. Yeah. We were talking about the truck series race at Darlington that's coming up. Um, there's an update to the truck series. But a lot of the drivers from the Arkham Menard series uh, end up racing uh, in the truck series. Uh, drivers like uh, Derek Krause and and uh, a lot of these drivers came from the uh, Grant Infinger, came from the Arkham Menard series and won championships in the Arkham Menard series and are now racing in the uh, – uh, Camping World Truck Series, so uh, I can't wait to see the throwback schemes for these uh, truck series um, uh, drivers when they uh, race at Darlington uh, coming up here on May the 6th. Uh, so mark that one on the calendar. It's going to be a fun race to watch. The Dead on Tools. Oh, yeah, def- oh, yeah, it definitely is. You know what? And, and it's it's going to be, um, like you said, the, the throwbacks are you know, the throwbacks are really, you know, I think I think it's one of the fan favorites because, you know, you, you don't know what, what they're going to do until it's almost time, you know, a week or two, you know, before, you know, they'll actually, you know, talk about, you know, what, 
what they're who they're gonna who they're gonna honor, you know. And um, you know, you get some of our local drivers out here, you know, you know that that race from out here that are trying to, you know, also you know do a throwback, you know, for our um, you know, for our uh, local guys, you know, that they grew up out here. So it's um it's gonna be exciting, you know, and, and uh, you know, the trucks always they always put on a good show, so. I'm sure. I'm sure nobody's going to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree with you. Always a fun weekend. Okay. Now coming up next, we have our guests coming on board. Uh, Greg Van Alt. He's been on the show with us before. Uh, I know he loves the super speedways. Uh, He's had the pole award uh, at uh, uh, you know at these tracks and. And uh, this past weekend at Talladega, after a couple of rough races, uh, Greg Van Oltz was able to come home with an 11th place finish uh, with his own race team. And uh, I know that had to be very exciting. So first of all, Greg, welcome back to the show. We're looking forward to catching up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Okay. Uh, I know you had... uh, you raced at Daytona, uh, then you went out to Phoenix and raced out there, and back to Talladega. Uh, tell us about your thoughts uh, about your race at Talladega this past weekend, because I know the first two races uh, didn't quite go according to plan. Yeah, we were we were solid this weekend at um, Daytona or at uh, Talladega. I know we had that short little practice session, and time didn't matter, but we were second quick of the field. Um, so, you know, that's, that's huge for us. Um, we raced inside the, the top seven or eight all race. Um, and then just right there at the end, it got fairly rough and there's moves that I could have made, but man, some of those guys were driving just like they didn't have to work on their own race cars. And unfortunately I got to work on mine. So, um, you know, it probably didn't take as many chances as a, as a few of the others did, uh, once I knew we couldn't really win the race and kind of got knocked back, it was it was more of just survival. And then uh, the, the way they shortened the race uh, and told us that the next flag was going to call the race, I seen a wreck getting ready to happen and and um, just kind of bailed. And it cost us a couple spots, but you know, good thing is is we brought the race car home in one piece, rolled it in the trailer, and we know now that we can uh, start looking ahead and work towards Daytona in February of 2023. Yes, indeed. And and what you accomplished at Talladega is no small feat. Yeah, I mean, and you had a good car at Daytona, too. Uh, you you took the pole at Daytona. Uh, you qualified second at Talladega. So you definitely have a car that's capable of winning. And, and uh, you know, it is tough when it, the competition is just so tough right now, uh, but to bring your home, your car home in one piece uh, and ready for the next race is a big accomplishment, Greg. Yeah, for sure. Um, to to finish 11th um, against the teams that we're racing against, it's, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, we do this out of our backyard shop. Um, it's... Uh, small family team we don't have any employees um just uh 
basically, like I keep saying, it's just a group of late model guys that went ARCA racing. And, and um, you know, we had a, a few rough races here in the beginning of the year, but Talladega seems to have gotten us back on track. And, you know, hopefully we can continue that on going to Kansas. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about your team. And I'm talking about your on-the-road team. Cause, uh, do you have somebody on the pit box that are spotting for you? Uh, at, at, yeah, I'm so, sure you do at Talladega. That's too big of a track not to have a spot. Yeah, so Jim Long is our crew chief again this year. Um, it's really it's the same team we had last year. Jim Long is our crew chief again. Um, and then uh, Brandon Lines is our spotter. And, of course, he's William Byron's spotter uh, in the Cup Series. So, you know, lots of um, lots of experience, lots of knowledge, um, these guys point me in the right direction, and and uh, I'm just the guy that's uh, fortunate enough to wheel the thing. Absolutely, and and your race shop uh, is uh, out in Anderson, Indiana. Is that correct? Correct, correct. Yep, we uh, we did upgrade there over the winter. Um, we uh, we built a new race shop. Uh, it's still in my backyard, um, just a little bit further down down the hill um but uh but yeah we've got a little bit nicer shop than what we've had in years past and that that tends to help us just because our time is limited since we all have uh, normal day jobs Um, we work on the cars in the evenings and uh there's there's three of us that pretty much um dedicate almost every evening to it um but there's you know we've all got we've all got kids and other things going on so you know, there's nights that I can't get out there, but the other guys can. And uh, now that we have the room, we can work on more than one car at a time. So makes it makes it a little easier for us. Well, you guys, uh, I hope you gave each other a big pat on the back after this weekend in Talladega and your finish there. Uh, you had some things to celebrate there. Now we have our uh, co-host on board with us tonight, Sal Segala, and I know he has some questions for you as well, Greg. First of all, Greg, I want well, to tell you thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. First of all, Greg, I want to say, all right, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. You know, I was, you know, listening to you and Sharon talk, you know, you're speaking you know, about, you know, being a small team, you know, working out of a garage, you know, and, you know, or starting like that, you know, you know, finally getting the shop and, and, um, you know, it's, um, it's tough, you know, I, you know, we, we see a lot of the small teams, but yeah, we've seen a lot of small teams make big gains, you know, want to be, uh, be competitive. And after, you know, seeing, you know, you guys get that, you know, 11th place finish this past weekend, especially at Talladega, that had to be a big confidence booster for the, for the team all in all. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, we were a little disappointed with 11th. Um, just because we were running inside the top, I mean, I think for the most part, we were inside the top six all race. Um, but it, it's, it's more of, um, you know, you, you get back home, you get kind of digested from it and you're like, man, we finished 11th at Talladega. Like you, you know that that's an accomplishment, but when you're in the heat of the battle, you don't think about it cause you're just, you're just going through the motions of racing and, you know, you can see the front all day long. 
you think you got a shot and then circumstances and you just kind of get rooted out of the draft and, you know, you end up getting a little bit worse finished than what you thought. But to roll the car in the trailer, I mean, we ran four speedway races and this is the first one we finished by all four reasons, you know, or three of those other three races, all reasons of outside of our control. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing with speedway racing is a lot of, a lot of things can happen in a short amount of time that, that just can, can ruin your day. So we we was pretty happy with the result. You know, and, and actually, you know, when, you know, everybody talks about, you know, especially, you know, speedway races, you know, with Talladega and Daytona, you know, it, when you have a two or three car team, you know, at least, you know, if you're together, you know, you know, you have a partner, how hard is it to race, you know, when you're a one car team, you know, and you're out there, you know, you're trying to find somebody, you know, to draft with, you know, is it, is it easy, you know, just to kind of fall, you know, fall in line with someone or is there certain drivers that, you know, that you can kind of get, you know, together with, you know, that maybe you guys have talked, you know, you know, throughout the season, you know, and maybe, you know, you know, you know, try and get that, that drafting partner. Yeah, we had guys that we had um, talked with that, you know, we were supposed to um, kind of be teammates with. And I don't want to say anything bad because, I mean, we were working together at some points in the race, and then at other points in the race we weren't, and it just so happened to work out when we didn't work good together. It it just didn't benefit us, any, you know, in the end. And, um, you know, we made some moves together that benefited all of us. Um, so it's just tough, right? Like, I mean, you, you, you plan and you plan and you plan and everything goes out the window when the green flag drops and you try to get hooked up with the right people that you want to be with. And it's, it's tough. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that can happen. I mean, you make moves that you don't intend to happen because you get a run and you can't, you can't just run into the guy because you know you're, you've got too much energy and you're just going to turn him if you hit him. So you, you have to jump lines and, um, it's, it's tough to be, it's tough to stay loyal. Um, you know, um, but, but sometimes you, you just have to make the move when it presents itself. And, and, um, you know, the, the guys that I was working with, I kind of feel like that's kind of what happened is they were presented with an opportunity and, and they took it and, and I was just unfortunately just kind of left hanging. You know, and, and, um, being a rookie in the season is have you found it hard you, you know like you know like uh um say when um when you're around the garage you know like before or after a race you know you know you start talking to uh, you know like some of the veterans and stuff like that how how hard is it to i guess what i'm trying to say is how hard is it to kind of you know i mean not 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 really get into a, uh, like a click you know but you know but just to um to get advice and stuff, you know, from the, from the veteran drivers and stuff like that. Well, fortunately the way the, the way the Arcus series runs, I'm still considered a rookie just because we haven't had enough starts, but we ran quite a bit last year we ran all the, all the speedway races. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say there's a click, but there's definitely more respect, um, from the competitors, both out on the racetrack and in the garage than I had this time last year. Um, and that makes it uh, easier to uh, to know, you know, who you can work with, who you can't work with, the moves you can make. And, and you just learn to 
to trust different guys' driving abilities. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's definitely, uh, definitely, uh, smoother this year than it was last year running the plate stuff. Um, just cause I have more experience. Well, I'll tell you one thing, this series is really being shared, you know, we've talked about it, you know, and I mean, it's, it's really grown, you know what? And, and the level of competition has really gotten, I mean, it's in the last couple of years, you know, that the level of competition has really gone up, you know, I mean, you know, you watch race after race, you know, you see, you know, the, I mean, there's always intensity. There's always, you know, everybody with that will to win, but for some reason, the ARCA series, is just, you know, it's really taken off, you know, it's, you know, it's like, it's almost one of the premier series to watch, you know, next to, you know, you know, the cup and, um, and, uh, and Xfinity. Yeah, it's definitely uh, getting uh, a lot more attention, uh, both from fans and competitors alike. Um, you know, I, I know several years ago, the you know, watching it on TV and whatnot, it, it just seemed like the competition, there'd be like two or three cars. And, and now, you know, I mean, heck, uh, Saturday at Talladega, there was probably 15 to 20 cars that could have won that race, just the circumstances, you know, going the right way. And, and I would say, you know, they have 10, 10 at least on mile and a half that are kind of in that same boat. Um, so yeah, it's definitely gotten more competitive and I think ARC is making the right moves to, to make it that way. And as it, as it progresses, um, I think you're just going to see more and more and more, um, competitive, racers coming to the Argus series. I know there's there's some late model people that I've raced with and whatnot that, you know, bounce ideas off of me that are looking to get into ARCA. Um, so I think you'll see more of that as, as um, you know, this season progresses in the next few. Well, with that, you know, I, I just want to say um, uh, good luck the rest of the season. You know, hopefully, you know, we'll, you know, you'll grab a win. You know, you can come back on the show. And uh, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Thank you. Okay, great. Uh, Looking ahead to Kansas, uh, what are your thoughts going into Kansas and your goals uh, for that race? Um, We had uh, the spring race last year. We were pretty good. I think we were, I think we qualified seventh or eighth, and I think we finished sixth. Um, So we, we kind of expect to be top five. Uh, that's kind of our expectations and goal going into it. Um, but we struggled last fall, um, had some issues with the car that we're, we're pretty confident we found. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're hoping to, hoping to have a solid day, hopefully a top five. Uh, we just need to click off some, some solid top 10 finishes to try to maybe get ourselves back into the points hunt again. Um, just the two first, the first two races of the year, just you know, absolutely uh, set us behind, uh, both in points and uh, you know, just getting things ready to 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 move on to the next race. But hopefully, uh, Kansas will be a a solid showing for us. Well, you made a big jump this week in the point standings with that 11th place finish. So uh, I expect that that's going to continue as the season progresses. Uh, and it's early yet, so you, there's still a lot of time, Greg, uh, to make a difference there. And um, uh, 
definitely looking forward to having you back on the show here throughout the season. And uh, uh, before you go, let's uh, give you a chance to do any shout-outs that you want to make and uh, also make sure fans know how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, um definitely want to thank um CB Fabricating for everything that they do to to keep us in the in the hunt here and um uh, my fence company Top Choice Fence. Um those between the the two of us and uh, that's how we're able to make this happen. Um definitely want to thank all my my crew guys uh that come with us every weekend. Um but uh you can find us on um Facebook, it's under Van Ols Motorsports. Uh, Twitter is just uh, at Greg Vanoss35, and I've recently started playing around on TikTok. Um, that's just Greg Vanoss35 on there. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, Greg, it was great catching up with you. Uh, I was real happy to see. Uh, I know it's a disappointing. You were going after the victory, or you know, the best finish you can get. But I still think 11th place finish is a, a great finish for you guys. And uh, uh, I'm sure there's things you can take away from uh, Talladega that's going to help you on the next Super Speedway event. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's kind of funny. We uh, we got a big whiteboard that talks about or that, uh, that for each car that we have, and and uh, you know we list on what race uh, the next race for that car is, and you know we've already got uh, Daytona 2023 on that board for that car, so. <laughs> um, speedway racing, I think, is probably my favorite form of racing, and we're already uh, looking forward to Daytona next year. Okay, that's good news. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight, uh, and again, we'll look forward to, to talking to you again the next time down the road. All righty, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, take care, Greg. All right, that is Greg Van Alst. He has his own uh, race team, Van Alst Motorsports, uh, out of Anderson, Indiana. <laughs> so uh, really cool to talk with him again tonight here, Jake. Uh, Sal. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's, it's kind of like when you said that, it kind of reminds me of uh, um, out where all the NHRA teams are because they're all out in Indiana. You know, you always hear about, you know, where's the – where the um, – uh, you know, NASCAR teams are all in, you know, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, so kind of when you said that, I was kind of like, wow. Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on, uh, Sal, to the uh, Xfinity Series race at Talladega Super Speedway, the 31st annual Ag Pro 300. The race winner was Miller Gregson at the age of 23, and his number nine, Bass Pro Shops True Timber BRCC Chevrolet with Junior Motorsports. His crew chief this weekend, Luke Lambert, uh, used to be a former crew chief of Jeff Burton. Uh, so really cool to see him working with Noah Gregson now. Noah Gregson, uh, he won, uh, it was his seventh victory in 111 Xfinity Series races, his second victory and sixth top 10 finish this season, 
Um, his first victory in fifth top ten finishes in seven races at Talladega Super Speedway. Jeffrey Earnhardt, how exciting was it to see the number three car racing up front for that victory? Um, and he made some amazing moves. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt oh, I, posted. I, I'm, yeah, we'll I'm get sure to it. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying these fans, I'm sure we're loving it. Oh, I'm sure they were loving it. Uh, it was his first top ten finish in ten races at Talladega and his first top ten finish this season. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger in third posted his third top ten finish in five races at Talladega. Cal- Kyle Sieg, 18th, was the highest finishing rookie of the races, and A.J. Allmendinger actually won that $100,000 bonus for the Dash for Cash uh, bonus. Uh, this weekend, uh, Noah Gregson was able to outlast three overtime restarts uh, on Saturday at Talladega. Um, he grabbed the lead on a restart in the third overtime uh, and driving for Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s uh, Junior Motorsports. Uh, so a lot of Earnhardt tie-ins here. Uh, this weekend at Talladega in the Xfinity Series. He took control of the restart on that third overtime uh, to get his second win of the year. Jeffrey Earnhardt uh, coming in in, uh, in uh, second place. Uh, Ryan Seed finished in fourth behind J.J. Allmendinger. Then it was Landon Castle finishing in fifth place. Anthony Alfredo finished sixth. Riley Erbst in seventh. Uh, Joe Graff Jr. finished eighth. That's a great finish for him. Myatt Snyder in ninth. And Brett Moffitt runs out the top ten. Uh, there were, uh, let's see, Austin, uh, Josh Berry won the first stage of the season uh, with uh, the number seven of Justin Algauer picking up his first victory of the season in the second stage. Uh, Algauer, however, ran out of fuel as the leader coming to the green flag in the third overtime. There were 25 lead changes among 14 drivers, 10 cautions, the 39 yellow flag left, and the average speed of the race was 123.024 miles per hour. Thoughts on those race results, Sal? Yeah, it was, uh, I'll tell you, it was one for the one for the ages. I really thought Earnhardt was gonna was gonna get the win. I mean, he he was that last restart. You know, it, it was it was a, it was a, it was a really great finish. You know, congrats to Noah Gregson, of course, getting the win. But um, you know, the fans were pulling for for Earnhardt to get in, especially <laughs> with um, Larry McReynolds as the crew chief, who hasn't been. Yes, how I think fantastic was that? like a twenty two like twenty two years. Since he's, you know, since he's been on the box, you know, and he, there he was, you know, for Jeffrey Earnhardt in the in the number three, you know, there for them to, you know, for them to get the run that they did. I mean, Jeffrey Earnhardt, I think he ended up on the pole too. So, um, yes, it was it was a really good weekend. It was a really good weekend for Richard Schiller's racing. Okay, uh, there were several drivers who had accidents. Uh, kind of a lot, so I'm not going to go over all of those uh, this time around. Uh, but uh, the margin of victory was 0.131 uh, 
second. So uh, it was a tight finish. Uh, some amazing moves by Noah Gregson as well as Jeffrey Earnhardt. I thought both of those guys made some great moves at the end of that race. And uh, it was a fun race to watch, a fun finish. Yeah, it was a fun finish. You know, and, it, and it's everything that, you know, I guess – I guess everything that we expect, you know, from a, you know, from a super speedway, you know, is, you know, everybody just biding their True. time waiting for the last, you know, for the last, basically for the white, for the white flag to come out, you know, to see who, you know, who's going to make the move, who's going to be where, you know, and uh, I'll tell you, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a crazy finish. I mean, I, it was really something. I mean, these we've had a few in the past few years where really nothing happened. You know, the driver that was out front mm-hmm. basically won the race. You know, nobody made moves, but this time, this time around, I mean, the drivers were, everybody's hungry for that win. Everybody wants to get into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, this was a good opportunity, you know, for a lot of the drivers, you know, to make that, um, to uh, make that, uh, that move, you know, to get in there. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's go ahead and cover the points report, because even though A.J. Allmendinger didn't win the race, he's still at the top of the list. Yeah, let's, let me get the... It's weird, my thing don't want to let me pull up the points. Oh, here it is. Oh. Oh. Why is it? You want me to go ahead and start, Jay or Sal? Yeah, it's not letting me. Okay, um, I'm. I picked it up at Jayski's. I don't know where you're trying to pick it up at, but that's where I'm at. Uh, Jayski. That's where I'm at. Jayski's. Oh, okay. Oh, here it is. Okay, that's here right. it is. You know what? Yeah, the okay. one was the one was blacked out. I said I had to go to to another one, but um. Uh, okay. Let's see. Okay, so AJ Allmendinger is leading the points. Uh, Noah Gregson in second. Ty Gibbs in third. Josh Berry fourth. Brandon Jones fifth. Justin Algeyer in sixth. And Ryan Sieg round out the top six. Um, let me see how we look in the. Well, Ryan Sieg is seven. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Justin Algeyer sixth. And then from there, then we go seventh is Ryan Sieg, eighth is Sam Sam Mayer, ninth is Austin Hill, who's the highest, uh, still our highest rookie, uh, tenth is Riley Herb, seventh is Landon Castle, twelfth is Daniel Hemrick, he's on the bubble, and uh, Anthony Alfredo sitting at third is um, ten points, ten points behind him for that last uh, for that last bubble spot. Yeah, it this is really shaping up. I, Landon Creed had a really good run. Oh, Landon Creed, what am I saying? Landon Castle, uh, I thought he had a really good run with that top five finish uh, in the Xfinity Series. I'm really happy uh, that he's racing the Xfinity Series this year because I think we're going to see uh, some really good runs from him. And it put him exactly. in that top you know, 12. Yeah, you know, and and then I mean, and then um, Sheldon Creed took that hard hit on that one overtime, and I really thought yeah. Sheldon, you know, it's going to be a race, you know, where he was going to, you know, finally, you know, make him some points. Um, you know, I know everybody expected Sheldon, you know, to do a lot better than where he's at now. He's sitting 14th in points, 
and um, he just really hasn't had a a good season. You know, he's had a you know a, a couple DNFs, you know, wrecks and stuff like that. But um, I'm sure we'll see him uh, um, come around before the end of the season. Yep. Well, we're nine races in. We've got a lot of racing to do. Uh, and uh, for the regular season before we start into the playoffs. Uh, but this is really shaping up to be pretty exciting. Uh, Ty Gibbs has the most uh, playoff points, followed by Noah Gregson. Ty Gibbs has 17 to Noah Gregson's 13. Uh, those, those guys are the leaders right now. A.J. Allmendinger, seven playoff points. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, the racing has been really good. We're going to talk about the Cup Series later, uh, and uh, that was an exciting race as well. But, Sal, let's, uh, let's uh, set up your guest that's coming on board here uh, in a few minutes uh, at 9.30. Okay. Our, my guest is uh, – actually, our guest is, um, is uh, Marty Mello from uh, Pepper Jack Kennels. He's um, kind of when Derek we had when we had Derek Thorne on the show at the beginning of the season. Um, Derek had mentioned you know, about having you know taking a whole different route this year, you know as far as you know sponsorship and uh, you know um, doing everything um, you know doing a lot of uh, uh, East Coast racing this year. And actually, it's Pepper Jack Farms. You know, were, are the ones you know the behind the are the ones that are behind um, everything that Derek Thorne has going on for this season. So um, it's an exciting season for them. And actually, they, they also picked up sponsorship over at uh, Pipeline Speedway this year with the um, – they have a, like a little party deck up in turn four. So they went and renamed that, you know, the Pepper Jack Kennels, uh, Pepper, uh, Pepper Jack Kennels um, party deck and all that. And, uh there's there's a lot of exciting stuff going on this year, you know, with Derek and uh, you know, with his racing, you know, with this with this uh, sponsorship, you know, and I think um, you know, I think getting Marty on the show, you know, to talk about it, you know, there's a lot, you know, I know he he has, he wants to talk about, you know, the sponsorship, you know, and what's going on with Derek and stuff like that. I think it's going to be really an interesting conversation, you know, to get to get the kind of like some behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, on, on how hard it is to sponsor. Because you got to remember, this is short track racing. This isn't Xfinity. This isn't Cup. This is an ARCA, but this is short track racing where a lot of these drivers, you know, they do it for the love of the sport, you know, and, and they're building cars. Yeah, they have some have shops. A lot of them are building cars, you know, their own garages. You know, they convert a – they build a big garage at their house to build their cars. But, you know, we're talking about short track racing and basically sponsorship at a, you know, an Xfinity and cup level. So um, it's going to be a really exciting um, and an interesting conversation, you know, when, uh, um, when, uh, uh, when Marty comes on. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, they're located in Wisconsin, I guess. Uh, so that race at Slinger Nationals is going to be a big event for these guys. Uh, and uh, Derek Dorn, because I know he's planning to race at uh, Slinger Nationals this year. So he's here. Uh, Marty is here, Sal, so if you want to go ahead and uh, introduce him and start the interview, that would be great. Okay, our next our next guest is is, uh, is Marty Mello from, uh, uh, from Pepper Jack Kennels. You know, like I said, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's the, him and his wife, Misty, 
you know, are 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 basically the head of 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 taking of taking over all the sponsorship, you know, for Derek, you know, and getting Derek, you know, into the you know, into racing on the on the East Coast this season, which is really exciting, you know. Um you know, and there's there's a lot that went into it. I know during the off season, you know, with Marty and Derek and you know, Byron Campbell, you know, and, and the, you know, the team and, and what they got going on, what they, the races that they still have left, like you mentioned, sure, they got Slinger, you know, which is kind of going to be kind of their home track. Plus they're, they're based in Texas. And um, I'll tell you, I've talked with Marty and Misty a, a few times and it, it's exciting. And with that, we want to welcome Marty to the show and just give us a little bit of background. Hey guys, uh, glad to be on. Thanks for having me. First off, um, just tuned in a little bit there right before I jumped on tonight, but yeah, happy to be on and um, uh, we're having a, a good start to the season, obviously with uh, Campbell Motorsports and, and Derek and the whole team. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to do things a little differently this year for them and, and get them um, more off the West coast out here in the Midwest and the East coast um, racing uh, some of these more uh, marquee races. So how, how tough is it to, to, at, at at the level, especially at the level that, well, everyone knows the level that Derek races at. And then, and then you know, to get, you know, you and Misty, you know, behind, you know, the, you know, behind all the sponsorship, you know, so, so Derek can have this opportunity. Um, everybody knows across the board, you know, sponsorship isn't easy. You know, it's tough, and especially at a short track level. So how did, how did all this come about, and, and how are you guys making it all to where it's all, it looks like it's it, it it's all working. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people are involved in that. Um, we, of course, we're we're spearheading up some of the the management and the seeking of the sponsorship for Derek, which I have a little bit of background in. Um, but my wife's company, Pepperjack Kennels, you know, we we committed, and there's other great sponsors that have been on this team for years, Powergrade, and 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 several others that have that wanted to do this. But with us coming on and, and basically saying, hey, we're going to do it, we're going to back it and kind of, uh, you know, put the checkbook up and say, hey, let's go try to sell these races, but let's commit to it so the team can get focused and started on traveling and everything goes into it. But it is difficult. Um, short track racing, grassroots racing, I think, is is a lot of fun, obviously, but people um, don't really focus on on the advantages from a marketing standpoint. Um, it's, it's relatively um, cost-effective. You could get in with teams, uh, tracks, and even on like Racing America Flow TV now for very good pricing. Um, because to be honest with you, there's just not there hasn't been a lot of demand of sponsors coming in, so they they will really work with you. Um, so in that aspect, we're getting a lot. I want to say for a little because you know we're spending it, but our rate of return is, is tremendous. When we jumped on with Eric last oh, July August, it was more of a fun thing getting back with Derek. We'd been with him years ago and had a good uh, relationship with Derek, but it was more of a fun thing really going into the snowball derby for my 50th birthday. And it just kind of grew from there. And, and uh, the return we got in our business is, is uh, it was overwhelming and the support. So we just, um, you know, started partnering up with um, partners that we had in place for our business and, and uh, some other sponsors that were out there, like the Tool Shack out of Pensacola, Family Funeral Cremation, uh, they were interested, and we, we kind of got some deals going with them, and it just really keeps snowballing uh, from there. So away from the 
you know, from all the sponsorship and everything, what's it like to work with Derek, you know, especially with the start of the season you guys have had, you know, so far we've had, you guys have run three races, you know, you've won two of them, you know, which is, you know, especially, you know, like you said, you know, taking them off of the West Coast, you know, where he's, you know, his comfort zone and putting them into the, you know, to the East Coast, you know, where there's a little bit more, you know, I would, I would, just going to say there's a little bit more competition you know and the racing you know is a lot different than what we see out here on the west coast yeah absolutely i mean we we believed in Derek's talent obviously and and the team i mean we're not getting that mike and and the whole team of sal you've been involved in some of that for years with the team the whole team has really got i can't explain the chemistry as my wife calls it the mojo it's so dynamic and so special um it is. We wanted to bring him off the West Coast and, and go out. We, we've heard it. Everyone's heard it. Well, yeah, he does that out there on the West Coast, but bring him out here. Well, we are bringing him out here, and that's what we want to focus on. I know we had some mishap with, with Chandler Smith uh, at the Derby in this last uh, Blizzard races, but, you know, we, uh, we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on what Derek's doing. We're asking the team to do a lot. They're, they're traveling three, 4,000 miles each way and and competing and we've asked them to do that and like you said they they've run they've got a first uh, another first and then unfortunately one uh did not finish there in pensacola dnf but two out of three races he's won and up against the big the big names the big teams and uh, everyone knew byron campbell motorsports is the big team and Derek is the big driver but you know the old saying you got to go you got to go do it to show them and I'm sure we'll have some setbacks this year. I'm sure we will. It's great competition out there. But the start we've had is, is making all of our, our, our supporters and, and his fan base um, excited. Um, a lot of people don't understand. We do a lot of things with our marketing. We, we asked uh, coming on in January, I think it was, that they did a little promo out there on social media. Kind of um, Daryl Abbott put that together for us, asking where, where would the fans like to see Derek run? And we took that information, and it's it interesting. Slinger was not originally on our schedule for a couple of reasons. Um, and the fans, really, we calculated, or they calculated it all out. They wanted to really see him at Slinger was one of the top responses we got. So, so we missed he said, we're adding Slinger. And it's in our backyard, of course, so we added Slinger. So we're trying to listen to the fans. We're trying, of course, the sponsors where they want to go. And, um, you know, it's going to be tough, but he's holding his own, and the team's holding their own so far. You know, and, and you spoke about, you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit of setback, you know, and the last, his sec, well, second and third race, you know, at um, Five Flags, you know, that's, you know, there you had a little setback, but you guys came back from, from what, 12 hours, and then come back to win the race the way he won the second race. I mean, you know, he just methodically picked off each driver, um, you know, got the win, and, um, you know, to put what happened the night before behind you, you know, with that short of time, I mean, it, it, it had to take a lot of talking, you know, a lot of um, yeah. encouragement, you know, from not only you, but from everybody involved in the team. There, there was. That was uh, just such an emotional night when all that happened, the way it played out. And, and we had discussions with, you know, the track officials and owner and the promoters and the series director and, the team and Byron was making calls from the West coast with the team and contact. And, you know, your initial gut is, um, you, you know, until emotions calm down, your initial gut feeling is we don't need to do this. if that's the way they're going to handle things and we're out of here. And that was, 
not that was overall kind of a feeling. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but once the emotions calmed down into the evening and we were up early and, and uh, actually Mike Keen and Vicky brought that, brought the majority of the team with Derek over to where Misty and I were uh, at the track and staying that morning. And they all talked as really up to what the team wanted to do. And they really hadn't, they didn't want to go home. They wanted to race. And, you know, everyone forgets what we're asking them to do. They, they were off a little bit on Friday and for us being off a little bit, he was still fastest in practice. Most of them in, in qualified fastest and, but everything well, we're asking, he's got two to three month breaks in the schedule. That's um, we're, we're working on fixing that right now. The team is, I want to say they're rusty, but when these other teams are racing two to three times a month, we're racing a big race once every two to three months. So they were just a little off, still fast, still, still the same team, but the mojo was just a little bit off on Friday and it was just a sequence of events that was unfortunate. Um, but for the re- team to rebound, you saw the, the, the Campbell Motorsports, which Byron has instilled that and bred that into that team for eight, ten years at least. Um, they go to win, and they're not going to quit. They have the resources through Byron, and um, their attitude that morning was total focused. The rust was knocked off, and let's go do what we can do is kind of their attitude, and they did. So what, what, so how is it to be involved, you know, with, you know, with everything that you just said, you know, with the Cabo, with Cabo Motorsports and Derek, you know, and then, you know, to come in, you know, and then, you know, you know, um, like you said, you know, spearhead all the sponsorships, you know, and, and to get some of the sponsors you've got. I mean, you know, when you look across, you know, I mean, who Derek still has, you know, like with Power Grade, you know, and, you know, and, and a few of the other ones, you know, then of course, you know, Chris comes on, you know, when you guys get out to Pensacola, you know, with the, with the funeral home. You know, then you have Colton in there, you know, with the tool, with the tool shack, you know, and, and of course, you know, like you said, when we had spoke, you know, you're going to have a different sponsor, you know, in there for Slinger, you know, this, this is, this is something, like I said, in, in short track races, that it, it, it's unheard of to get to, to line up and keep these sponsors. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. It is unheard of, um, but I don't. I think we could make it more let's let's hope we can make it more of the normal um the money that you need to spend doesn't have to be astronomical as a sponsor to get on a team or with a track to help them we we've got it we've got to figure it out these teams now the cost of everything going up the cost for these tracks to put on these events let's not forget them all the staffing they have and and, and people and the upkeep and the purse money we've got to figure out how to support them Otherwise, we're not doing our jobs as fans, as people that love the sport, or, or for sure as sponsors. Um, and that's a big part of what we're doing. You know, we stepped up and helped Slinger out this year as a title sponsor, uh, one of the title sponsors. Um, we're deeply committed to Five Flag Speedway for, on a two-year deal, and that will grow to more, I'm sure, with the Bryants down there. So, you know, of course, you think just go with the team, but we've really got to support each other and everything um, to keep it all going. Um so I say, yeah, it is unique, but it, it's just kind of a model that if we could do our little part and show that it works and with the help of TV now coming on board with Flow and Racing America, um, it's working and, and the returns there. And it's, you don't have to spend the type of money I think one would think you have to spend to do that. Um, so it is exciting. And, and the partners we brought on just keep, you know, they just keep partnering and B&B and with their partners. We're about to announce uh, two new sponsors that are is really exciting. 
and um, a couple more races, um, that, uh, at least one or two more races in addition to what's on the schedule now. So all we can do is ride the tide when it's good, and, and, and like my wife says, don't mess with the mojo and, and get on shows like yours that help promote racing and, and keep after it. And if anyone would ever want to call us, um, to ask how the model is working for us or what we're doing. I, I'm more than people have. I'm more than happy to, to try to explain what we know and have learned about it. And, um, and if they want to call to get on and help Derek, we, we don't turn sponsors away. That's another thing. Oh, I don't have enough money for it. We haven't turned a sponsor away yet. Uh, we, we figure out a way to make it work. Wow, that's neat. Now, with that, Marty, um, I um, I know I know Sharon has some questions for you. I think we're going to go a little bit over this week, you know, because we had you on. So, with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it back. I'm going to turn it over to Sharon to our show host. Thanks, Sal. Hi, uh, Marty. I'm so happy you were able to come on the show tonight. Uh, I know your discussion uh, was something that uh, needed to be said. And uh, I'm going to kind of take it, though, in a little bit different direction. And uh, I know recently you announced that uh, you're also going to be supporting Ella D. Crafton, the daughter of Matt Crafton. Uh, they did a really nice feature uh, about that on Fox recently. And uh, when I heard Pepper Jack Kennels <laughs> was going to be uh, a part of her racing career, I was really excited. Yeah, Elodie, we've um, well, we've known Matt uh, through you know the truck racing and, and, and Junior Joiner for years, and and um, you know the opportunity Elodie decided to start doing some outlaw kart racing. I guess um, it was last year, and, and when we heard about that, um, we quickly asked Matt how we could help, and um, that's that's more of a thing where we like to give back to the younger sport and. And it, it had that groove into last year, and, and then now this year we have a, a full gig in place with them. Uh, I just talked to Matt this morning. She ran last night, finished sixth, qualified second last year. So she's, she's picking it up out there at Millbridge. And uh, new quarter minute jit's been built. I'm not quite sure when we're debuting that. But, you know, with Elodie, again, um, that's something my wife is, and, and I, but my wife is really into her, and, and she she's got – the right attitude at eight years old. She just turned nine, I think yesterday. Um, she's just got, she's got the right attributes and, and she's not the kid that just sits around and, hand, and wants to hand it to her. We, we've been out to their shop, Matt's shop. We've been out there and raced with her last year and she's Matt holds her to it. Um, you know, they're not driving a big fancy hauler trailer. Like one would think they're, they're actually in his old Southwest tour trailer when he ran Southwest tour back in the day and now we've wrapped it a little bit and cleaned it up, but she makes her work out of that and she unloads the cart and cleans it. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go as long as we can with her. Uh, I think we could, if she wants to race and then we'll race with her up and until the point we, we can't, uh, handle it. And then hopefully someone else will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I know you guys kind of get behind some of the tracks as well. Uh, and supporting uh, the, the grassroots tracks. Yeah, yeah, we, we do. And, and we have another motocross rider out there, um, Jackson Joyner, Junior Joyner's son. He is absolutely, he's a flat, he's flat track racing out in Bakersfield and up and down um, Southern California, Central California, on absolutely on a tear on his 50cc and he's moving into the 65 class. So we've got, we've got him as a young, young rider also coming up and, 
he's just his stats are he's just winning everything right now. He's unbelievable. So we've got that, and then back to the track involvement, of course, um, tying it in Pensacola. I think that's what we call, even though Slinger's right next to us, I say right next to about three, four hours down the road. Um, I've never actually been there yet. Worked with Todd a lot lately on that, but um, you know, Brian's down in five flags. That's what we call our home track. Uh, just the Southern hospitality, just from the time they met us and what they did for us at the Derby last year, um, it was a no brainer for where we, where our trust was and, and to learn, they're helping us learn the whole thing on top of it. And so track sponsorships to me, you know, we've got to have the track sponsorship, get the cars there to get the purse up that, that slinger Todd, Todd has been working on it. They, you know, most know they only paid $10,000 to win that. That is a marquee race. It's, you know, Matt Kansas, there's a lot of great names that go there, been there, that are coming there this year, but the payout, you know, just hasn't quite been there. They needed some sponsor support and his um, existing sponsors and us stepped up and, we got that first up to 20000 this year, which will be way above that with the bonus lot money. Um, and, and the TV's in place now. So we're really – we want to make those tracks that are sitting right there the next Snowball Derbies. You know, that's that's the king of the hop there. But, you know, All-American 400 is a big one. Slinger's right there, but let's make that special. And that comes with sponsorship helping the track do that. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, as a race – and, and uh, uh, from the Midwest here, <laughs> I do want to say uh, thank you for all that you do. Uh, it's, it's really appreciated uh, because uh, I'll tell you what, there's been so much more focus on grassroots racing right now. And to know that uh, you've got uh, sponsors like Pepperjack Kennels behind it, uh, it's really great. I wanted to ask you real quick, too, uh, are you a race fan? Yourself? Oh, you must... uh, yeah, absolutely. We've, I've actually, I, we, you know, we owned, Rusty and I owned a race team back out in California. We raced against Derek. That's how we met him years ago up in what was all called the North uh-huh. State Challenge Series. And uh, we owned what now uh, what they call the Arkham and Ours. We, it was back then, it was the K&N Series. We owned a team there. So we've been involved in racing for, you know, 20 plus years and in and out. And so, yeah, we're huge race fans. We go to probably a half dozen cup races a year. Um, you know, so we, yeah, we're deeply involved. Uh, Jeb Burton, we, we help him on, on the, um, side. They, they, they purchased a lot of dogs and help us move a lot of uh, hunting dogs through their, uh, award foundation. Uh, so that's a great thing. And, and we've, we've, we slightly moved into the Xfinity series with him, helping them a little bit this year. Um, so not that we we're looking to move out of grassroots by any means, and that's a whole nother level of marketing and money, but, but to have those associations um, helps with all this, put these things together. Well, again, thank you for all that you do. It's really, really appreciated. And uh, uh, you, you pointed out that you are getting a good ROI, a return on your investment, yeah. and that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Um, yeah, we're yeah. going to have to close it out for now, but you've got to come back and visit with us again somewhere down the road. It's been a lot of fun yeah. chatting. No problem. Sal's got my number. Anytime I could uh, get on and, and kind of pitch it and help help promote it, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that, promoting Derek and Campbell Motorsports, but also short track racing as a whole. So have me back on, and I thank you for having having me on and, and what you guys are doing. Every Every 
uh, podcast or a news story, everything we could do to help get the word out is going to help grow this. And hopefully we'll have a national tour series next year. Uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, now, before you go, uh, how can fans follow you on social media? And are there any other shout-outs that you want to do? Well, you think pepperjackkennels.com is our website, and um, also uh, pepperjackkennels on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us there, um, and they can find me on Facebook. Message me easily there. Um, you know, just a big shout-out to – to everyone that's supporting grassroots racing America, all the race teams out there, small and big. I mean, everyone's putting their heart into it and all the money they, they could get into it. So everyone just needs to keep digging. And, and I'm, I keep pitching, please, if you're interested in short track racing, get involved, you know, go up and ask the team after what we can do to help buy them a set of tires, pay for their fuel bill. It's not huge cost. They'll be willing to work with you. You'd be surprised. And same with the tracks. And so just thanks for everyone that is supporting short track racing right now. That's fantastic, Marty Mello. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again down the road here. And uh, good luck out there at Swinger Nationals. I know that's a huge event, and I'm so happy it's right there in your your uh, backyard. Yes, sir. Thank you. We're, we're hoping to have a great run with, with our team out there and Steve Appel uh, racing. So should be a good time. Thank you. Okay. All right, thanks, Marty. And then, like like uh, like Sharon said, you know, we got definitely got to get you on, you know, for another segment, you know, so we can talk some more about this. Yeah, when the timing's right and it fits your, fits into what you guys have planned, you I'll just reach out to me and I'll do whatever I can to accommodate that. Thank you. All right, uh, thank a big thanks to uh, Marty Mello for uh, being on the show here tonight from Chipper Jack Kennels, uh, and. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation there, uh, Sal, with uh, Marty, and uh, definitely looking forward to having him back on. Yes. One day, Sharon, we need it. we're going to do a show on you because 10 oh. years, <laughs> and I still have a lot of questions for you. So one day, mean, you can call me Jay that day. I won't accept it. But any, I, I, I know we have to get into the Cup Series but one show, we're going to, just like you did a show on me 10 years ago, we're going to do one on you. And me, Jay, and, and all of us are going to, we're going to host it, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to pick your brain. <laughs> well, there's not much in there, but uh, you can do your best. Um, I look forward to, to when that happens. But uh, I tell you what, I've got a great crew here with Band for Racing. We've got 10 people now, Sal. It's unbelievable uh, because you and I started this, what, 11 years ago. Um, and uh, it was just you and me at that point. So I'm really happy uh, of the fact that we've been able to grow the way that we have and, and that we've got such a solid group behind us. Yes, it's been a long haul. <laughs> it has. Okay, we've got to get in our uh, Cup Series review here because that race was uh, pretty fantastic as well. Uh, we had the NASCAR Cup Series race in the Beco 500 uh, at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, it was Ross Chastain. He needed just one lap. Uh, to win the race and celebrate with his watermelon on the start-finish line, 29-year-old Floridian. 
uh, led only the last lap uh, to take his second career NASCAR Cup Series victory. He was running uh, third behind Derek Jones and Kyle Larson with one lap left. Larson pulled out of line to the outside place to make a pass for the lead, but Jones pulled in front of Larson to block his momentum, while Cascade kept his number one track house racing Chevrolet steady below them and maintaining the pace, ultimately pulling away for the win as the other two cars lost their momentum battling each other. Uh, and I'll tell you, I was listening to his audio, Sal, because amazingly, I picked Ross Chastain to win this race, and um, he was in disbelief. He could not believe uh, that they won that race, and uh, uh, he was... Uh, uh, he said, I didn't do anything. All he did was hold his line, and uh, it was a fantastic win. I heard, too, it was the same car that he drove at Coda uh, that he won with at Talladega, so that's pretty amazing, too. Um, it was wow. his second career win, second win of the year. Uh, Austin Dillon finished second, followed by Kyle Busch, uh, Kyle Larson in third, Martin Truex finished fourth, Eric Jones fifth. Then it was Chase Elliott, Michael McDowell, Alex Bowman, and Kevin Harvick. Uh, Eric Jones was the leader when the right flag, uh, at the white flag with Larson and Chastain behind him. Uh, and uh, it's just amazing uh, how he won that race. The poll winner was uh, uh, Christopher Bell. He finished in 20 seconds after spin coming off pit road that forced him uh, a lap down late in the race. Stage one was won by Bubba Wallace, stage two by William Byron. There were 41 lead changes among 16 drivers, 16 cautions for 20 yellow flag laps, and the race uh, speed was 148.637 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the uh, top 10 finishers there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Ross Chastain won that thing. When I was watching it, and man, I thought it looked for sure Eric Jones was going to be. Well, first Kyle Larson, and then it looked like Eric Jones, and then I don't. I I still go back to look at the replay because I'm wondering where Ross came from. But he crossed the line first, <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> you know, we we've talked about I'm him the so last couple of years. You know that. Yeah, the last couple of years, we always talk about Ross. He's going to get a win. He's going to get a win, you know. And I remember, well, last year he went on that skid where he didn't, he just wasn't, you know, wasn't wasn't productive. And then because the year before that, he was really productive. And, and um, you know, he's an exciting driver. I'll tell you. Um, yes. Gosh, I don't, I, 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 I'm going to go back, have to go back and watch it again because I'm still wondering where he came from <laughs> to win this thing. He was just in the right place at the right time to take advantage of the opportunity that was there, and uh, it really worked out well for him. Uh, let's hit the driver points before we run out of time, Sal. Okay, so the driver points are we got Chase Elliott that was, that's still leading the points, um, Ryan Blaney in second, William Byron in third, Kyle Busch in fourth, Alex Bowman fifth, Joey Logano sixth, Kyle Larson seventh, Martin Truex round out the top eight and then from there, then we go down to ninth is Ross Chastain with two, with, wow, with two wins. Um, Eric Almirola, 10th. Kevin Harvick, 11th. Chase Briscoe, 12th. Austin Dillon, 13th. Christopher Bell, 14th. Tyler Reddick, 
15th, and Austin Sidrick dropped down to 16th. He is our highest rookie so far this season, and Eric Jones is seven points out from that 16th spot on the on the bubble. And Kurt Busch is uh, needs a win. He's 18th. He's um, yes. 20 points, 20 points down. And it's, Danny Hamlin is still 24, but he has, yeah, but he has oh, to yeah. win. So, you know, so he's not too much worried about that. And Brad's slowly working his way up the, up the chain. Yeah, he's 29th now, which is uh, good news. All he needs is that win, Sal. And as long as he stays in the top 30, he'll be okay. Uh, but this yeah. season has been amazing. Uh, with this new car, I think we've seen some of the best racing we've seen in a long, long time. And, uh, uh, you know, they were taking care of that. There wasn't, uh, there were a few cautions, yeah, but, I mean, not like we typically see at Talladega. There was that one big one. Uh, but I thought the racing was fantastic. It was. It was really good racing. I mean, like I said, you know, I have to, because of, my racing schedule, you know, I just have to come, I have to come home and watch it either late at night or, you know, I get out of work, you know, and it's usually the last 20, 30 laps, you know, I, this one, I'm going to go back and tonight, I'm going to go back and watch, you know, the whole race. And, um, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of action and just by following social media, you know, you can kind of gauge it off of there, you know, if the race is really worth going back and watching or if it's just something, you know, that you really don't want to, you know, just take it, you know, for what it was the last 20, 30 laps, you know, 10 laps and leave it at that. Okay. Well, Sal, just so you know, I don't do it just to you. I actually called Jay Sal the other night. Right, Jay? Yeah, it it happens occasionally to all of us. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just not used to it. I, I've never had her call me Jay as much as she calls me Jay. I'm like, wow, maybe I should just change my name to Jay, and, you know, it'll be easy for her to remember me. <laughs> uh, I'm just getting to be an old lady and confused, I guess. But anyway, I, I just really uh, enjoy having both of you on. We need another person on our Hot Topics tonight, Sal, if you're available. Uh, Sharon, I would. I'm dead tired. I am just beat. Okay. I, I need I got I to gotta rest and, and my wife's making me dinner right now, and she knows that after dinner I got about an hour left, and I got to back back to back to bed. I, I get up early in the morning, and and um, one of these days I'm gonna stay well, Jay, around and gonna... have a really a hot one, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang uh, around. Jay, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give Jay a chance to tell you what he always tells me about salsa galloping and hot topics. Man, that? I just want one time. I know me, you, and Mike. I, that that would be. Uh, we might have to do that one on a separate one, right, Sharon? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's a two-hour special. Oh yeah, you know what? We definitely got to set it up like that. And um, you know what? And and I'll, and I'll make it a point. It, it's it's just hard because I'm West Coast, and when when I do the show, it's right in the middle of technically coming home from work in my dinner time. You know, so, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, that that's why I have the issue with that. Okay. Well, we understand, Sal. Uh, we appreciate all that you do. And uh, I just wanted you to know that uh, uh, a lot of times we, we try to uh, 
uh, interject South Gala into our hot topic sound off and what you might think about some of our topics. But it would be good to hear oh, I, I would, from you. Oh yeah, I would. I would love. I you know me, Sharon. I'm always a hot topic. Before <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think I've cooled down a lot because I, I yeah, think I was really a, a bad apple. <laughs> You're not a bad apple, but we love to have your perspective sometimes uh, on our on All right. topic conversation. Okay, so I'll go have dinner, and uh, thanks for being on the show with us tonight. Okay, thanks, everyone. Have a good evening. You guys have fun on your show. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, okay, good night. See you, Sal. All right. We kind of held him over there, but uh, – kind of ran over on our, our interview uh, with Marty Noel from Pepper Jack Kennels. If you get a chance, go back and listen to it. It was pretty interesting. Um, Jay, I think it's just you and I here tonight for our hot conversation. All right. I, I saw you reached out there. I didn't see I hadn't heard or seen if anybody had co- commented back. Um, but I know we got lots of comments from Mike's on any of the topics as he was there at Talladega yes. right up until the end. I did see that. Uh, and, by the way, I do have a fan at the track uh, article from Mike that uh, I'll look to try to get out uh, early this week, uh, if not tomorrow, because tomorrow I know it's back in, uh, hopefully by Wednesday. Oh, good deal. I know he said he was going to try and get one done. Okay, what's our first hot topic here tonight, Jay? Well, let's see. Where do we want to start? I didn't have my list ready. It pulled up and ready here. Um, I know we had several okay. of them, like I said, on there. Well, uh, how okay, about let me just... start with the first hot topic, and I'm going to put it out there. Uh, I don't know if you right, had a chance ahead. to watch the broadcast or not, but Dale Jr. was in the booth this weekend at Talladega, and uh, I kind of put it just out there to say your thoughts on Dale Jr. in the booth uh, this weekend. I know we talked about this leading into it, and I thought he delivered greatly um, for the sport, for the for the entertainment, for both NBC and Fox. I mean, I just think that was an absolute win all the way around um, gr- provide some great insight. We, we talked about it, his experience at that track. Yeah, it may not be. He talked a little bit about driving the, uh, the current car, next car. Um, he had some experience with it, but the insights he gave in a couple of spots, uh, and truthfully, actually, Clint did as well, but, you know, Junior really, with, with drafting and the moves they're making, I, I found really impressive and really I can't say a casual fan would have necessarily followed all of it, but it wasn't that you had to be a hardcore long-term fan to understand what he was talking about either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. I think he, I think his focus uh, made it easier for Clint Boyer to be more focused as well. Uh, and and you're right. I think I think they both gave. Uh, really good uh, analysis during the race, and uh, uh, it, it. And I have to echo what Mike Rizal said. He said just got done watching the race. Uh, he was actually at the track, but he watched it on on you know the replay. And he said by far the best race Fox has broadcast in years. Dale Jr. was nearly flawless, 
And I think he elevated the performance of everyone around him. And I have to agree with that statement. Uh, Mark, this is a red-letter day. <laughs> um, I really think he did up the performance of the Fox booth. Uh, they just did a fantastic uh, job all the way around uh, during that race and, and calling the race. Uh, there were a couple little things, but overall, I think it was one of the best that I've seen on Fox in a very long time. Well, and the one thing, and I, I don't want to take anything away from anybody, you know, Clint Boyer, we know we talked about, you know, kind of gets a little uh, wild and out there at times. Like you said, I don't know if that was just playing off a of junior that, that he stayed with it a little more um, and didn't stray off as often, but he's not uh, to the level of junior either. And junior is a history buff when it comes to NASCAR. And him and Mike Joy yeah. brought out some very interesting things um that aren't well known so i thought that was really cool one of them being uh and i think that might have even been a little bit of a clip about that being in an airport and that when they sold the land that that was and i don't remember what the price was relatively cheap but that then they had to they could build the track but could had to repave the runway right outside of it and they did that you know just the history and knowledge he brings and like i said i know he's a history buff when it comes to nascar so very knowledgeable. It was uh, really impressive. And, and like you said, I, I don't know if he brought brought out better in Clint. I know Mike's one that's always kind of critical of the broadcast. I guess I don't get that into it, but they really did seem to gel really well. Yeah, yeah, I thought they did too. I hope they don't take him away from NBC, though, because uh, I'm looking for uh, to when Dale Jr. is back in the broadcast booth on a, on a race-by-race basis. As a driver, I know he takes a lot of hits from people sometimes as, sometimes as a driver in NASCAR, but I think about the kind of pressure that Dale Jr. had on him, and as young as he was uh, when, when uh, his dad uh, passed away, uh, that was a tremendous amount of pressure on him. And I think it took him... Uh, a while to kind of get comfortable in his own skin. And I see that happening with him just within the last five so years, if not more than that. Uh, he's just become so comfortable in his own skin now. And and I really like the way Gail Jr. has matured as a person uh, in a lot of ways. I've, I kind of shared some of my own personal story of dealing with Gail Jr., um, uh, in the media with you uh, individually. But I, I do think that Dale Jr. is just an incredible person. And I love the stories that he gives us. Uh, and uh, he was and has been and will, will be for, I think, a long, long time, the most popular driver in, in NASCAR and in racing. And, uh, I, I think there's a reason that he is. It's because of the person that he is and uh, the way he deals with people and the passion that he shares uh, for this sport of racing. So I, I really think he did a fantastic job. All Any right. You want to move up? Uh, no. Oh, I, okay. You know, you, you mentioned it, and I, and I think – Dale Jr. said it himself, the, the being comfortable in his own skin. Uh, I think those might have been even his own words. I know several of them talked about that, but you're right, that pressure. 
um, of leading the sport, especially after his father, Dale Earnhardt mm-hmm. Sr., passed. Um, you know, and I think, I personally think that, yeah, Teresa, if you recall, Teresa Earnhardt said something to the effect of he needed to decide if he wanted to be a rock star or a NASCAR driver. Um, I think that is one thing he did take to heart from her. But also I think the time with Rick Hendrick really is what kind of helped uh, shape that and bring that out of him. Yes, I would agree with you there. But, yeah, we can go ahead and move on to the next hot topic. I was just so – I think he's been the best – he's been the best uh, guest host <laughs> uh, for Fox uh, all year. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, and I don't think there's been any bad ones, but I, I would say he would definitely have to right at the top. And, and I'm not one that – I mean, I like him as a driver and as a person, but I wasn't uh, – I don't know what part of junior nation, if you will. So, um, you know, it's not just because it is junior, uh, as some people put it. But uh, the next next one we got up on the list, uh, we'll just go up the, up the row, I guess. Um, three teams uh, lost their pit crew member following pre-race inspection. And we've seen this before. Uh, you know, is that, I guess the question is, is that working, as you put it, Sharon? Um, if you want to give your thoughts, I'll come back with Mike's because they actually parallel them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, again, uh, I, I'm kind of on the same uh, wavelength. I, I don't think it is working. Uh, the fact that this happens week after week after week, uh, that we're getting all of these uh, inspection failures. Um, you know, at first I thought, okay, they're dealing with a new car. There's a lot to learn with this new car. I don't know if it's still that uh, that is part of the problem here or if people really are trying to continue to push this envelope. But uh, it doesn't seem to me like losing uh, a crew member uh, is really making a difference. I don't think – the passive penalty is a little bit bigger uh, thing, but at a track like Talladega, that means really nothing <laughs> to have a pass-through penalty. You can start a lap down and still get your lap back and be up front racing for a win. So I, I just, I just think they need to rethink this, um, this problem, this issue with the uh, uh, failing inspections, uh, pre-qualifying and pre-race and post-race and all of that. I think there has to be some stiffer penalties put in place. Okay, you're yeah, right. You're right. You're right on that aspect. Obviously, they they tried to deter it, and it's not working because we see this multiple teams per week, and especially your bigger teams, Joe Gibbs Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, Team Penske. They got plenty of backup people if need be in the organization. Now, that penalty may hurt a smaller team like, say, such as B.J. McLeod, because you take uh, two or three people from his crew, that is his crew, you know. Um, I don't don't know exactly how many people he's got working for him, but a smaller team, that's going to be a harsher penalty. If you truly want to get these top teams to stop, you're going to have to make it – as we always say, you know, harsher, harsher. I, you know, I don't know. Here, let me let me read Mike's. Um, he said, "Nope, clearly not working. Bring on the points." 
uh, penalties. First bust is a mulligan. Second bust is a five point. Third is a ten point. Fourth is DW. No points for the weekend. I don't know what the DW stands for, but no points for the weekend. Um, uh, maybe it was supposed to be DQ. Um, yeah, maybe DQ. I, yeah. You know, I hate to see it go to that, but just like with we've talked about monetary fines, they don't work because teams are like, okay, here's the money. We'll go do it again. So if they really mm-hmm. want to stop this, yeah, they're going to have to do something a little bit harsher. And I'm not totally against his point system there. I don't. I think, uh, I mean, that might be a little on the harsh end. Um, but, you know, we've talked about that of the progression aspect to it. You know, once it becomes a habit, as you put it, and I'll let you run through that of um, <laughs> accident. But, yeah, go with, you know, maybe, and again, five points is a lot because that's a whole race win. So maybe go one point, two point, three points. But something definitely has to be done if they truly want it to stop. And I'll let you go, and then I'll come back to the Talladega issue this weekend. Yeah, I, I, um, I do think that they have to do something that's a little bit stiffer. My, my thing is always, and this goes back to my uh, chemistry teacher back in high school, uh, and they, she used to uh, talk about this. Uh, first, time, first time you don't have your homework, that's an accident. Second time's coincidence. By the time you've done it a third time, it's now become a habit, and that's not acceptable. And I've kind of carried that with me through life, um, you know, that uh, it, it kind of holds true for, for life uh, on a lot of different levels. So, uh, and I find it coming up here with uh, NASCAR quite a lot. Um, if it becomes a habit, there's something wrong. It's not whatever you're doing. It's not working. So what do we have to do in order to get the message through uh, that it's not okay uh, to bring a car that is not uh, race uh, ready uh, to the track? Uh, now I do know, and that brings me to another topic that came up over the weekend, and I don't see it here right now. Uh, but the heat was somewhat of an issue, I guess. Uh, for inspection this weekend, a lot and a lot of cars were blaming the heat for why they weren't um, able to pass the inspection process. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Did you? Yeah, see that's that? what I said. I'd come back to. Yeah, that I'd oh, come okay. back to that. Um, first off, you know, uh, we talked about Junior uh, sharing history. Uh, that's the first time I've sure heard you share that 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 statement you made goes back to a science teacher. Um, so <laughs> thank you for sharing that history on that. But yeah, Talladega, <laughs> and I don't know exactly what part of the car was failing that they were saying it was the heat. I started seeing the Twitter pictures of crews with umbrellas, and I was like, it's not raining there. Yeah, they were trying to keep the car cool. Something was apparently swelling. Now, in a case like that, if it's legit that, you know, a NASCAR would have to look at it, there might be, you know, the, I hate to say there's an exception to every rule, but generally the, that there is the case. And that was something, um, obviously, and it, well, again, it wasn't just one team. Uh, we saw it all up and down pit road. So they might have been a little more lenient with that this weekend with that. 
And I say, I don't know exactly, you know, if the tires are heating up or something and it's just putting the car all the way out of the measurements, but there, there was something to it. And the other part, I mean, I, you know, my opinion on even the, I understand the owner's points and locking teams in, but I'm used to dirt track racing. The fastest cars that show up, you know, if, if you've got a 40-car starting field or a 38-car starting field, if there's 50 cars there, the fastest race. You know, I mean, that's what puts on the show. And to me, I'd love like I said, that intrigue of, first off, they've got to make the race, you know, whether it be through fast tra- fast time, qualifying, or, uh, you know, a dirt track, they have what's called the B main or last chance. I really think they ought to go to that. If your car isn't legal, you know, I mean, I know it sounds harsh, but I don't want to see it take them out of the playoffs, but go to that of if your car isn't legal, you don't race. Because I guarantee you, then they're going to start showing up with it legal. Yeah, I think these guys are smart enough to bring a legal car to the track, and and I agree with you. If it goes to the short track race, goes back to short track racing, they cannot race if they do not bring a legal car to the track. Um, uh, and and I'm okay with doing it in stages. Um, you know, first time's an accident. But they kind of get three stages, uh, if you think about it, uh, because they're not necessarily, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, let's see. Start at shade. If they fail a second time, they drop to the rear at start and also lose a crew member. So uh, Stenhouse and Truex and Castle twice failed. They lost their car chief and pit selection. Uh, but Stenhouse and Truex both passed on the third time around. Uh, Castle had to go through a third time. Obviously, he passed. But yeah, they need to. They need to really um, do something that's going to make a difference. And I do think that it either has to be the points. Uh, the, there has to be a penalty the first and second time that they go through. I think they've already gotten their first times an accident, second times a coincidence. We're already at the third to a lot of these teams. So I think that that warning thing has already, they've already gone past <laughs> that analogy, if you will. So now it's time to start saying, okay, now we're going to take points uh, for the first time you fail, the second time you fail, and by the third time. I, I kind of agree. If you fail by the third time, you should be disqualified. You know, I say, like I said, I I hate to see anybody end up not being able to race, but that puts it back on the teams. Like I said, it depends on how true NASCAR says we want this to stop. Think about it back when they were Mm -hmm. failing post-race. They said, okay, it got to the point. If you come across the illegal post-race, we're taking the win away. Have we seen that happen Mm -hmm. since then? Yo, I think we had one. I think Joe Logano might have been the only one. Um, I take that back. There's been a couple that was the win. There were a couple others that did lose their uh, finishing position, but you only see that once in a while. This obviously is happening every week. So uh, to me, it, it, it starts with, does NASCAR really want to put a stop to it? Or are they putting on a show saying, hey, we're trying to make them stop. They're just not. 
then at that point, then make it to where if you want it that way, put it to a level where the teams, you know, take it seriously. You know, and it, you'll let it go with the scale. Like Mike said, start with taking uh, playoff points. If that doesn't work, I'm all for taking taking uh, their starting spot away. I mean, they're, I guarantee if you see something like that happen, there'll be other teams that'll show up and be like, hey, we might be able to get in this race if these guys get DQ'd. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, I look at it from two ways, Jay. One, it's providing a lot of jobs. And, you know, that's good in a way. But think of the cost savings. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're in an era right now uh, where NASCAR has been looking for ways that they can save costs. This is one way that costs could be saved, uh, especially with the rising costs of different things. Um, uh, if, if, if this whole inspection process could be streamlined, uh, and be more efficient because the cars are coming in uh, as legal cars, uh, there could be a huge cost savings there along. Uh, not to mention uh, having to go back and redo it and the time and effort that's spent in doing all of that. I, I just think NASCAR really needs to take a look at it and really ask themselves the same question, is this working uh, and if they can answer that and say they think it is working, which I, I personally don't think it's working, um, uh, then they have to explain it, I guess, to me as a fan. Uh, they don't have to do that, but I wish they would explain it to me as a fan why they, they keep going through the same process week after week. Well, I, th- I think about uh, just comparing it. There are certain places where they say we don't want this and they enforce it. Being that we were talking about Talladega, the yellow line, they said don't go below it. If somebody does, mm-hmm. they enforce that, you know, and it cost them that their position on the track. So, like I said, to me, it's almost like maybe they want to put on a show that they're trying to stop it, but yet they don't. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I hope that's not it. But anyway. <laughs> um. I'm going to go ahead and make the announcement now, Sal. Or, gee, there I go. <laughs> I've been calling. I've been calling Sal. I'm not hearing you anymore, Sharon. Yeah, I'm here. I tried to do the announcement, but it didn't go through. Go ahead. You need to do it. Oh, Oh, okay. Uh, We're going to go off the air at exactly uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. And for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, please know that uh, we are going to continue to record the rest of our conversation past that time. And that is part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. When Jay and I are done here tonight, I will go out on Twitter to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to the player that's available at danforracing.com and fast forward to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation. So, again, that's danthenumeral4racing.com, and it's all one word. 
uh, and then you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation. Again, we don't want any of our new listeners to be caught off guard and not know how they can hear the rest of that conversation. Uh, so we make this announcement every week uh, for our new listeners. Okay, Jay, I apologize for that. I didn't even know I was falling off. Uh, so um, I'm glad I was able to get that pin under the wire here. Well, and I had that same thought, and that's why I told you you needed to make the announcement. Uh, I was attempting to do it, and I did a fairly good job. However, because <laughs> when you went off, I thought I might have gotten disconnected, so I figured I'd call back in while you were making the announcement. When I got back on, you were off. I was still on mute, so I couldn't have broadcasted anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So I apologize again uh, to our listeners as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the next topic here. All right. Well, it gave me some practice. Like I said, I at least did it to myself here, the announcement. So uh, <laughs> next time I'll be more prepared. Uh, I'm going to skip up one here. I know we were kind of going up the list, um, but I want to skip up one. Uh, Mark Martin on Twitter wanted to why the rest of the motorsports media hadn't been telling us about this. Uh, and it was the fact that Chastain's winning car at Talladega was the same one he drove at Coda. And, you know, he's saying the fans love this kind of information, so that needs to be shared. I know I had heard it about Chastain's. I hadn't heard it from any other, uh, specifically from any other teams. Yeah, I went through Twitter, and I did see a few other, uh, I didn't hear it from any other teams. I only heard it about Chastain's uh, team. And the thing is, is he won with that car at Coda and then turned around and won at Talladega, two entirely different tracks when you think about it. Uh, the road course at, at the Circuit of the Americas versus the Super Speedway of uh, Talladega, those are two entirely different tracks. Uh, but it kind of opened the door to the conversation of with the, the uh, supply chain issues that have been happening. Uh, I'm sure they had to do some modifications somewhere along the line to that car, even though it was the same car, there had to be some tweaks that they must have done to it in order to uh, make it race ready for Talladega. Um, I, I thought that was kind of cool uh, that they were able to take a, a, a road course car and race it on the super speedway. Uh, that's got to be some cost savings that's kind of uh, interwoven between that story as well. Well, and here's the thing, and this goes back to, what was it, 07. This is what the car tomorrow was designed to do, and NASCAR has been trending in that direction. Um, here with the next-gen car, obviously with the 30, uh, what do you call it, replacement parts, snap-on parts, um, that's the intent of it, that it can be quickly repaired, as we've seen just on race day. Now, your bigger teams, and, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit with uh, Trackhouse Racing, um, not a superpower team yet, although they're having a great year. Um, you know, Hendrick Motorsports probably still has X number of cars designated for this track or this type of track because um, they got that capability. But if you think about it, some of these teams – Obviously not necessarily winning with them, but some of these lower-budget teams have been doing this all along. They've been running the same car week in and week out. 
A lot of times you see that's maybe why they run at the back and not aggressive because that's their only car. You know, they can't afford to lose a car, so they can't be as aggressive with it. So I think this is a great indication of what NASCAR was trying to do. You mentioned it, cost saving. Um, And to see, like I said, Trackhouse isn't exactly a powerhouse team, but they're getting it done. So uh, on a budget, uh, that's great to see. And I don't know, Mike, here, his only comment was, well, great, now they'll try and run it every week. I, I don't know if he's opposed to him running it every week or what, what the, the, the sentiment means there. I, I can only guess. Um, I think that's a great thing. If you can run the same car, I mean, yeah, know, why that, not? that's a good thing. I would agree. But kind of getting back to the fact that they hadn't seen any of the other media talking about it, I don't recall hearing it uh, on Fox at all or Race Hub at all or anything like that. But I think it's a great follow-up story uh, for media to pick up on and kind of give us more of the -the behind-the-scenes information about that. There was a post by a Mosey Katarevic on Twitter uh, his story on the parts that get swapped out to flip the next-gen car between an oval and road course configurations. Uh, so there, there, there is a way to do that, apparently, uh, between these uh, uh, different types of racetracks that NASCAR races on. Uh, but uh, I didn't hear a lot of conversation about it. Really, the first time I heard about it was when I saw Mark Martin's tweet about it, uh, and then I started to kind of do some follow-up research on my own, and that's when I saw that there were some thoughts. What I didn't do is, and I should have looked at the time of some of those posts, if those posts were after Mark Martin made that post or if they were before Mark Martin made that post. But um, uh, I I hope the media does pick up on it and do some background uh, uh, backstory on that. You know, now now I'm trying to think if it was Chastain in his post-race interview that said it, if that was the first. Uh, I don't remember where the first I heard it. I heard it during the broadcast. Um, so it might have been that it was leading up to and prior to, uh, prior to his win. Or that, or I think, like I said, I think Chastain maybe said it in his post-race interview talking about it. But, yeah, like Mark Martin's saying is that's, that's information the fans want. And I'll tell you this, as an announcer and as a broadcaster, you know, that is positive. You see how Mark Martin do it. I want to hit on this. It is not screaming, hey, the broadcast is bad because they didn't do this. He said, hey, here's something you can do better because the fans appreciate it. I, as a broadcaster and announcer, appreciate that positive or constructive feedback as to what can yeah. be done better. You know, not the hammering, yes, not the attacking. Exactly. Mark Martin did it very professionally. He just said, hey, guys, can we get more of this? We like it, you know. Yes, I think that that is a very good example of constructive feedback versus uh, just general complaints. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think it's a great back story and I'd love to hear more about it. I agree with uh, Mark Martin a whole whole lot there. Uh, I wish I could have heard more about it before the race uh, um, or even after the race, I guess, on Race Hub or whatever. But maybe they are working on that and that there's more to come there. 
that would be a good thing. Well, I got to tell you what, and uh, uh, I'll wait because you got you got next topic, but this will lead into one of the other topics uh, that's on our board. Trackhouse is doing a phenomenal job um, from their first year being last year into a two-car team this year to see what they've done and the way they're going about it. I mean, there's a blueprint of if you're not coming in, and I know that Pitbull brings some money and some uh, sponsorship and and, uh, popularity with it, but they're doing it a very intelligent way, and I almost want to compare them to college racing. Yes. Yeah, I'll just kind of chime in here if you don't mind. I think Trackhouse Racing is just setting the bar for new teams coming into the sport. Uh, Justin Marks, I am super impressed with him. Justin Marks uh, was a part of, uh, were they part of Turner? Scott Motorsports with Justin Marks? I I believe so, yeah. I believe so. Yeah, I just think that he learned an awful lot when they were with that organization because that was another organization that was doing so well uh, in the Canon Pro Series is what it was known then. And they had started to get into, to you know, NASCAR's top three with some of the teams there. Uh, and then uh, things kind of closed down uh, due to health reasons uh, for uh, the, the team owners there. But Justin Marks has taken that into track house racing And I just think his blueprint is something that a lot of teams should be making note of. Um, uh, And, yeah, they bring some money to the table there to be able to do what they did with Chip Ganassi Racing uh, and to to take on that equipment. But look at how much better than um, Chip Ganassi was even doing. Uh, It almost makes me feel like, uh, maybe Chip Ganassi was starting to lose interest because he's involved in so many different motorsports. His interest maybe was spread across those different areas where Trackhouse is now able to focus that energy entirely on their NASCAR program. And I just think it, they're, they're getting some fantastic results. But I think a lot has to be said for Ross Chastain, too. Ross Chastain... Uh, and I saw some articles about this too, really showed some growth in his experience as a Cup Series driver as well because Ross Chastain is a very aggressive driver. We know that about Ross, but I think Ross Chastain did show some restraint throughout this race. And I'm telling you, I listened to his audio. I was telling Sal about this earlier. I was listening to his audio during the race, and he was in such disbelief when he crossed that finish line. He was like, did we win? Did we win? And he, and, and then it was like, oh, my God, I, I, I didn't do anything. I just held my line, and we won this race. I, I think that was such a great learning curve for Ross Chastain as a driver. Uh, yes, he's aggressive. Uh, but I think he learned the value of a little bit of restraint as well because while those guys were duking it out and being aggressive with each other, he was able to slide in there and get that victory. We saw a fantastic victory for Mark Chastain this weekend. And uh, I think it's not just track house racing. It's the dynamics 
somehow it's the dynamics that they've developed within that organization that seems to be working really well, especially for a driver like Ross Chastain. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And I don't know if we want to transition here to um, another topic we had was Team 2311 was basically in the same boat. They were a new team last year, two-car team this year, same as Trackhouse. They have Joe Gibbs Toyota support. Um, we thought that they would, even though they were expanding what I thought was a little early. So what what is it, like you said, that, that key element that's missing, which obviously was missing with Chip Ganassi. And we saw that with the fact of Kyle Larson. Because I always said back when he was driving for Chip Ganassi Racing, if he could get into the playoffs, into the final four, back then it was uh, Miami Homestead was the season finale, you know, but he could never seem to get to that next level. Um, and right. then he, he ended up out the, out the year, but come to Hendrick Motorsports and clicked off 10 wins. And he doesn't have the wins, as many wins this year, but still running just as good. So, yeah, there was something within the dynamic there that just wasn't consistent. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but you have the entire team. I know both Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain have made comments about it. Just the total buy-in, um, belief in each other. And I, I don't want to say there wasn't that at Ganassi or, you know, at Team 2311. I, I don't know what that element is, but something's got to be different because they are absolutely getting it done. And it doesn't appear as though 2311 is yeah. Okay. Here it is. I, Bob Hockris has a video up. Trackhouse owner Justin Mark has emphasized with Ross Chastain Chast, that uh, that Chastain isn't racing for his job every lap, and that patience showed on Sunday. Mark's also said his organization is still building, and there won't be any talk yet about preparing for a deep playoff run. But I, I will tell you. Um, that conversation that he's had with Ross Chastain has made him a better driver. And I think that uh, that helped him to win on, on, uh, on uh, Sunday's race at Talladega. Uh, and, and I guess it was during that post-race interview, a couple of articles uh, that have been written about that conversation in the um, uh, post-race media. Uh, I, I just think that he is learning the value of the patience and what, you know, we talked about a while back. It's not about having bumper cars out there on the track. It's about uh, racing each other with respect and racing uh, as a professional race car driver out there on the track. Uh, and showing your absolute skill. He was in the right place at the right time. He held his line. He did everything right to win that race, and it it was fantastic. And like he said, uh, the conversations that they had, uh, his patience really showed in that race. Yeah, he he admitted it because he said even in that race, he had done that move a couple times earlier, and it just didn't seem to work out. Uh, he said, you know, he didn't know if he was going to get the win by staying on his line, but he wasn't going to give it away by making a mistake. Um, Unfortunately, we saw Eric Jones when he tried to make the move. 
did it a little bit late, and that was one of those where Junior was talked about throughout the entire race, the timing of it. You know, Jones did it. Kurt Busch was already to his outside. They bumped, went up the track, and uh, caused a uh, melee. Um, and, yeah, Chastain came out of it, and he said, I was going to stick to the bottom. I made that mistake earlier in the race. I think he said he did twice. He said he learned from it. So, the, and it, believe it or not, I mean, Think about back, uh, he was running for any team he could in any series, sometimes all three races in a weekend, and that yeah. is paying off. You know, that, that hard work and that reward yeah. is paying off now as he got his second victory of the year. So I'm so happy for him. I love seeing the watermelon smash. <laughs> yeah. And then he picks it up and starts eating it. That, that just cracks me up every time. Okay. Um, getting back to 23 11 racing now. Michael Jordan was the kind of player in basketball that made a demand on the performance of his teammates. Okay? So he brings that to the table, the 23X5, but what he doesn't have is experience as a race car driver. Denny Hamlin has that experience as a race car driver. And we've talked about this. I'm not, I don't dislike Denny Hamlin. I just think that he has a different personality and a different emotional mindset uh, that does not always help him. Uh, sometimes he's his own worst enemy. So, but somehow, if you could take Denny Hamlin's racing experience and the talent that he has and match that, with the maturity of a Michael Jordan that can persevere through all of the adversity. I've seen him play basketball with the flu (laughs) and be able to just outperform everybody. If you could take that kind of um, concentration or that level of focus uh, that Michael Jordan can bring to the table, I think that could really, really help. 23XI. But then the drivers, too. I don't know that Bubba Wallace is a good super speedway racer. Uh, and I think he's capable of being better. But he's got to get that support team behind him that can kind of capture those two different sides of the team owners that he has that can help him be a better race car driver as well. Uh, But it has to be the dynamic that happens between all of the parties that are involved. That, That special thing that happens when you've got the right dynamic in place uh, can make all kinds of great things happen. And that's what I think is missing right now uh, in the team at 23-11. Track house definitely has it. Justin Marks is a race car driver, but he also has that focus and that thing that I talk about with Michael Jordan. He knows how to make people bring out the best in themselves, and he knows how to have those conversations uh, to bring out the best in people. Um, and uh, so he's got both the Michael Jordan and the Denny Hamlin thing going where he knows what it takes to be a good race car driver and can relay that in a way that drivers respect and respond to. And Ross Chastain is doing that. So, and I think Pitbull is another inspirational personality that 
a part of that too. I don't know how involved he is on a, on a day-to-day basis, but uh, I think that might be the difference. That's just my input. Well, as you were talking about that, I think back to uh, Kyle Busch, uh, you know, how he handled his young drivers making the statement, hey, if you can't win in my truck, the problem's you. You know, <laughs> and just we talked about it with Mark Martin. You know, the difference between a positive, constructive encouragement versus uh, downgrading or demeaning pro- uh, layout of it. So, um, they obviously, they're, they're doing something right, and... You know, I wish I could say what it was, obviously, with 2311, um, that that element they're missing, just like we talked about Chip Ganassi or something, because, you know, they got the capability. I think they got a lot of good people in the right places. Kurt Busch, obviously. You mentioned um, Bubba Wallace, and we've seen him improve on other tracks. Yes, a very good super speedway was running a I think second right there up until the end uh, had a shot at uh, going back to back there at Talladega. So he was right in the mix. Um, but we've also seen him, like I said, as far as the car capability. And that's where I think there's still something missing with the car itself as well. Because, you know, I mean, certain tracks, it's just, you know, he can run on the short tracks as well. Uh, trying to think which one it was where he picked up his truck victory. Um and I, going back to when he was running for Roush Fenway uh, in the Xfinity Series, he ran out of money. He was top five in points. So obviously he can run overall throughout the entire year, but you got to have the equipment under you. You know, it's, it's all got to gel just right. You know, well, Kuchy, uh, spotter pairings. I don't, I don't know what it is, but um, they're missing something there at 2311. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm, I, as we're talking, I'm thinking back to my previous career and I did a lot of training um, in my previous career and I know that there's there's such a thing as a productivity curve and you've, you've heard of the bell curve well think about pressure if you put it's good to put some pressure on people to help them become them better at what they're doing but there reaches that top that very top of the bell curve <laughs> Sometimes if the pressure goes too hard, you start getting a diminishing return (laughs) and people are no longer performing. So it's finding that magic spot on that bell curve where you can apply some pressure, but not so much that they start performing poorly instead of better. Uh, And that's what they're looking for there. The, The other thing about that, is uh, I know a lot about training is about asking the right questions uh, and, and you know, allowing people to come to their own conclusions about what is the right thing to do. And if you ask the right questions uh, versus telling them what they need to do, sometimes people will, will discover that answer for themselves. And sometimes when they discover it for themselves, it's a lot better um, then they'll retain it a lot better than if they're being told all the time what it is that they need to do and and all of this kind of thing. Um, because they, it causes them to really think about their answer when you're asking the questions. So uh, I know that has a lot to do with it too. But you're right, the car uh, might not be there either. 
there's something in the dynamics that is different, and it's that special it thing that can happen that makes it work. And it's hard to define, but it's a combination of a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you there as you were talking about training. I think about the military, same thing. And, and it's one of those that you got to know the people you're dealing with and how to approach yes, each because you can't just put out one blanket approach. Yeah. Yeah. You use different approaches based on different people's personalities, and you've got to understand and and be able to identify those personalities and how to deal with those different personalities. Okay. Um, but I, I, I really give a lot of credit to Justin Marks, too. I, I think he's fantastic, but I think um, Ross is a great driver, too. Okay. Anything else you want to well, talk about? I, I think, I think uh, if we got, what, seven minutes? Um, speaking of personalities, Kyle Bush is definitely a personality. <laughs> <laughs> talking about whether or not he's going to have a ride next year. Uh, let's see. Mike put it up. It came from Jeff Gluck. Kyle Bush on his contract talks with JGR. Um, when would he like to have his future settled? Yesterday, of course, the Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Bush answer. Uh, is he getting antsy about it? And he said, no, I'm not getting antsy about it. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Goodbye. He said, good, buy is an option. And Bush's answer was, ask Joe Gibbs. Now, I know you added to that with the uh, search for sponsorship. As we know, Mars is leaving with the M&M's brand. So that obviously plays a factor. Yeah, that that's a big factor. Um, they have decided to depart uh, the racing scene, I guess, this this season, after this season. And that's leaving a big sponsorship hole for Kyle Busch. Now, in the in the post that I've seen uh, uh, about interviews with uh, conversations with Joe Gibbs, he's saying that these things take time. They have uh, uh, some things that are kind of in the works, and he feels like uh, a lot of that can be worked out, and they'll be okay with sponsorship for Kyle Busch for next season if he wants to stay. Um, you know, that's always uh, a fluid thing that can happen because things can be going along smoothly and then uh, something happens and there's a wrench in the conversations and, and all of a sudden it goes south. So that's why a lot of times they don't want to say anything until they've got a signed deal. But um, uh, they do take time and, uh, you know, they've got to work with everybody's schedules and talking to the right people. And once you get approval at this level, you've got to go to the next level and so on and so forth. So um, we just have to kind of wait this out. But I think what Kyle is saying is he's okay regardless of how it works out. Uh, he's okay to stay racing. He'd love to do that. But if he doesn't, if it doesn't work out and he loses a sponsorship, he's okay with that too. So uh, I think he's reassuring fans that he's okay with however it works out. Um, and he's he's okay to walk away. His son Brexton is racing now, and he's at the racetrack uh, watching him race and coaching him on his racing career. And I think Kyle Bush would love uh, to have some time to even more time to spend with Brexton on on the road in his racing career. 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it seems like, you know, and we know how this goes with contract negotiations and whatnot, that, that he's putting it on Joe Gibbs. He's like, I'm ready to sign. Again, I understand the sponsorship uh, deal has to be kind of with it. Um, but I, I don't see him walking away. I, I know what you're saying as far as he's got the Braxton he can, he can spend the time with. Um, and I, I was trying to think, uh, I saw there was a bunch of Twitter feed about this of, you know, would anybody else sign him? First off, I think he would have an option to go somewhere else. Uh, I, I can't mm-hmm. see somebody not wanting to put him in a car. So, uh, there might be some other drivers that are on the hot seat. Uh, I know Cole Custer's one that got mentioned at Stuart Haas. So I don't see him walking away. If nothing else, he's got his own truck team. If he is not full-time in the cups, he can go run his truck full-time, win a championship. I mean, we've seen what he does in his trucks um, just in the five races he runs and lead that team. So he's got a lot of options, but I truthfully, I don't see him leaving cup series. I honestly don't see him leaving uh, JGR uh, either. But uh, even if it were to play out that way, uh, it'd be interesting to see because, like I said, I think he'd still have options as far as at the cup level. Yeah, I think you're right, Jay. I, I just think that, um, and he, he does he did this in his Kyle Busch way that he does things. Um, but I I think that uh, he's just saying he's, and maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe he's saying if it doesn't work out with Joe Gibbs, then you know I could go somewhere else. But honestly, I agree with you. I think it is going to work out just based on the conversations and the comments that I've heard uh, from Joe Gibbs, the team owner. Uh, it sounds like they're in the process of trying to work some things out, and and uh, it's just going to take a matter of time. And when they're ready to make an announcement, they will. Um, so that's the best-case scenario. I think, that, you know, these things, there's always the worst-case scenario, and a lot of people want to talk about, well, what happens if it doesn't work out? Uh, and that's all that this is. Uh, and Kyle Bush is saying, yeah, well, if it doesn't work out, I'm goodbye. <laughs> I'm, I'm good to go. Like I said, it'd be interesting. Uh, I f- fully see it happening where he re-signs with JGR one way or another. Uh, it is kind of intriguing to think about what other cup team he could go to. I know there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of different scenarios that could play out. We saw it when he left Hendrick Motorsports. Um, you know, everybody said, well, they can't bring Junior in. There's no room. Well, Kyle Busch was the one out the door. So, you know, things can happen. You, you never know. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how it plays out if he were to not resign. Um, like I said, I, I still think he'd go truck racing and that would open up some weekends, as you mentioned, if he does want to spend more time with Braxton. Um, but I see him with him quite a bit as it is, you know, I think they do some of the racing in conjunction with, I know there's nights where he talks about he's not with them, but they'll have the bed of ice cream over who wins or who finishes better. So I don't know who's coming out ahead and all that. Well, let me just say, if, if, if the worst case scenario happens, and things don't work out. Uh, Kyle Busch, uh, w- if, when he decides to walk away, will leave a huge hole in NASCAR because he is such a supporter of the other racing uh, drivers, the up-and-coming drivers that are coming into this sport. Uh, and he will leave a huge hole 
from that perspective of mentoring other drivers that are coming into the sport. I hope he would do something like Ron Hornaday Jr. is doing uh, with his driver development program and continue to develop drivers uh, through some type of a development program. Uh, I think that would be fantastic. But, um, you know, I think that's down the road. I think he's already doing it uh, as a race car driver. But uh, I I will say if he does walk away, it would leave a huge hole. Um, On a side note as well, and I read this in the local paper, a local Chicago newspaper, and I put it on the board just as informational, but I think it's worthy to note here that Mars Wrigley, which is based in the Chicago area, uh, is planning to build a $40 million research and development facility on Goose Island in, in Chicago. So that's a huge investment, and I just have to wonder if that doesn't play into the fact, into the reason why they're kind of stepping away from racing at the end of the season. Well, we saw that we saw this with uh, GoDaddy when they left the sport. They said it wasn't due to anything, cost or anything. It was they felt that they had maximized their exposure, so they were going to go a different route and try and find a new market. Um, certainly, Kyle Busch has given Mars as much exposure as they could possibly handle. So, you know, it comes down mm-hmm. to that: are we still getting the same gain out of it? Um, now, like you said, if they're investing that somewhere else. That's a candy guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's true. So it's been great as far as uh, uh, gaining new, you know, the future following of NASCAR uh, by bringing in a lot of kids. Because my grandkids, every one of my grandkids asked me, who, who drives the M&M's car? <laughs> You know, they all want to know who that driver is. And when I tell them it's Kyle Busch, they go, okay, I'm going to follow him. Every single one of them has said that to me. <laughs> well, so and that's, he that's does part a lot. of the marketing plan, yeah. Exactly right. Okay, we are at the top of the hour, or actually past the top of the hour now. So, uh, Jay, let's go ahead and do our uh, wrap-up here. All right, you can uh, follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, coming up this weekend, and I'll talk a little bit more about Thursday, but I'm going to stay home for the weekend, or in in town for the weekend. Uh, not one you hear from me a lot, but you will throughout the rest of the summer. Columbus Speedway, the baddest bullring in the South. This weekend, I'm going to step outside my comfort zone and call some go-kart racing. So that's going to be a little mm. different for me. Still sounds like fun. Okay, well, I'll, I'll have am... fun no matter what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. Especially if racing is involved. Uh, I will just say that I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else on social media, including our Fan for Racing website uh, at fanforracing.com. So uh, I am looking forward to... Uh, our show on Thursday night. Uh, we were going to have Raja Karuth, but we're running into problems because Raja is involved in some uh, 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 racing, and so he's not available to be on the show for Thursday night. So instead of Raja, we're going to have Nick Sanchez 
come back on. And Nick Sanchez just won the ARCA race out at Talladega. So I'm looking forward to talking to him about that victory. Uh, so look for that on Thursday night. Uh, tonight we had uh, Greg Van Holt to finish 11th at the, at the race at Talladega in the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, that was a great finish for him. And uh, I think a confidence booster, he said he was a little bit disappointed in it. Uh, they were hoping to have a better finish at Talladega, but I think that's coming for that organization. Uh, also, uh, at uh, the third half hour, we had uh, Marty Mello, who is the owner and general manager at Pepper Jack Kennels, uh, a big sponsor within the racing world, and especially grassroots race, grassroots racing. Um, uh, he's not only sponsoring Derek Thorne on his uh, SRL on his uh, national uh, racing schedule this season, including Slinger Nationals, which is also located in the same state as Pepper Jack Kennels, which is Wisconsin. Uh, but also, <clears throat> the, he's, he's, uh, they're supporting um, Elodie Crafton, Matt Crafton's daughter, and uh, he mentioned on the show tonight that they're also uh, a, a sponsor behind Ty jo- um uh, junior, uh, what is the crew chief's name? I can't think of his name now. Joiner. Junior Joiner. Junior Joiner. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, his son is also racing, and they are a sponsor for him as well. So uh, they are very much involved in the grassroots racing. Uh, they also sponsor a lot of the tracks that are in racing. He talks a little bit about that as well, and. Uh, it just was a really good interview. So looking forward to uh, having him back on the show as well. So um, also a big shout out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you uh, for tuning in, whether it's the broadcast or the uh, live, uh, the podcast. Uh, we appreciate your time out of your schedule to hear what we have to say. And uh, we always encourage you to come back for our Thursday night show which starts at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and we'll be back again on Monday. Uh, so with that, Jay, um, a big shout-out to you and to Sal for being a part of our broadcast here tonight. Uh, appreciate all that you guys do and the conversation. It's always a lot of fun. So, so is that a shout-out to me being Sal or Sal being Jay? I don't know. I get you guys confused all the time. I am constantly calling Sal J, and I, I even started now calling you Sal. So between the two of you, I'm confused. Well, you got you I got us both covered, so that, that's a good thing. <laughs> okay, so uh, with that, I guess we're ready to say good night. All right, we'll we'll talk to you on Thursday. Okay, good night, everybody.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.